friends. Welcome back to Let's Talk About Smut. This episode is part two of Penelope Douglas's amazing book, Punk 57. And since this is a continuation of the previous episode, we highly encourage you to listen to part one before starting this one. Our overall ratings and review can be found in the part one episode as well as the trigger warnings. So just to clarify, part one covers chapters one through 10 and part two today, we will be covering chapters 11 through 22. See, that's the excitement I really needed right there. That's what I needed. Sick or not sick, I will so, still be a musical instrument for you. <laughs> no, so um, yesterday or two days ago, Saturday, we dropped episode one and I put on our Instagram, like, take a shot every time Taylor sings a song because I swear <laughs> to y'all guys, she like breaks out in a song like probably every 20 minutes on an episode, but I, I'm not shaming it. I love it. I want more of it, but I think it's a great, it's like your thing now. It is my thing. And now we have a TikTok. And if you guys just heard my dog growl, I am sorry. I don't own a ferocious beast, hey. but he, he may say, Hey, a couple times during this, but we now have a TikTok. Let's talk about some podcast. And now you guys get my musical stylings of a almost middle-aged woman who will be now singing TikTok. Yeah, I thought podcasting was hard, and then I got on TikTok, and I was like, it's really hard to make TikTok. So just bear bear, bear with us there. Bear with our TikTok. It's the new one. It's da-na-na. No friends. Da-na-na. Wow. We're killing them. <laughs> I'm going to take a sip of my wine on that one. I'm just going to play the drinking game while we podcast now. Every time Taylor breaks out in a song, Hallie's going to take a big glug of wine. We'll see where we're at by the end of the episode. It's going to be a good one. We left off after Misha and Ryan had their steamy library scene. And Misha finds out that Ryan is punk, the one riding all over the the school walls, her little rebel self. It you. It you. And even though they have their moment and then Ryan goes back just being cold and sassy towards him – we end the chapter with Misha deciding that he likes this back and forth with Ryan. And I quote, if she wants to play, I can play. So we about to play. Which is sign me up for the board games and puzzles. Okay? I'm ready. <laughs> Monopoly, Uno, all of it. I'm ready. <laughs> Yahtzee. Yahtzee. <laughs> Wait, that was a good one. I wish I would have screamed that. <laughs> Yahtzee. Yahtzee. <laughs> I could play charades with Misha Lair easily. I would love Twister. Well, I would love to play Twister with Misha. Oh God, I would. I can't even contort my body into ways anymore. But I would. But I would. I pull I would a hammy out <laughs> to play a freaking game <laughs> with Misha. <laughs> I would pull a hammy for him. That's dedication. I would. So we pick back up in chapter eleven. And it's Ryan's point of view. And it is two days later after her spicy library scene. And she hasn't seen Misha in like two days. Because, you know, Misha doesn't really go to school. Like he's enrolled. But, like, he doesn't ever really go. Like, he just shows up when he wants to and he leaves when he wants to. I mean, that must be nice. but It must be. Like, where's the attendant? It, 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 fits, <laughs> it fits the aesthetic that he has. You know, the bad boy yeah. aesthetic. So he's been skipping school, and even though Ryan's annoyed by him and knows that she should stay away from him, she just can't stop thinking about him and worrying about where he's been. 
And she even starts to kind of like make these comparisons to Misha again, where she's like, I want to be alone with him again. Those stolen moments. They're like the letters from Misha, something to look forward to. Which is, again, and I'm surprised you haven't been upset yet in calling this girl clueless, but like, it is him. And like, who doesn't want to look forward to an orgasm? Like, of course that's something to look forward to. Yeah. And it's just like, come on, girly pop at this point. You've got to just start putting two and two together. She's like killing, you know, you already know if you listen to last episode, I really ride her ass hard on that one because I'm just, you're such an idiot. I might, it's too early. I can't get started. We just started. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get worked up this soon, but yes, I agree. I, I agree. I agree, Taylor. I agree. Let me just put it there. And she ends up like in her inner monologue telling us that she doesn't feel the need to write on the school walls anymore because she sees Mason as her release now. Again, she just needed some orgasms. <laughs> well, and it's what's funny is like <laughs> that painting on the walls is your release. Like I still can't just get, really wrap my mind around it. But the fact that, I mean, I know it's like artistic. She goes further into it than we get to, but like, I, I agree. But for the story of it being a fiction yeah. story, that's not real this life. Is like her. I can appreciate it. Just get this out. Like, let me be angsty and things like that. And I don't even think we really touched on it a ton in the first episode, but she is kind of like the type A school girl too. Like her mom makes her read these books. So even though she's like a douche to her English teacher. She like makes her read like Fahrenheit 451 on her own. Yeah. It's like all the banned, banned books that we see in schools today. Like. Yes. Those are the ones her mom's making. Her mom has her own curriculum at home. Like, no, you're reading it. (laughs) So I get it. It is like her way to like break through, I guess, but still. It is like we kind of start getting these answers of why she becomes punk and it was when Misha disappeared she didn't know if he was getting her word so she started leaving them for people at her school when things got to be too much like she felt at one point in the book she talks about how like she thought she was going to start screaming at any point because the emotions were just too much so her first message she wrote was written on a boy's locker a message specifically for him are we going to talk about who it was or do we, are we going to wait till it's revealed? I'll just talk about it. Yeah. I feel like pe- people are going to read the book, right? It's Manny okay. that she ends up, the first person she ever writes a message to is Manny because he's getting bullied. Yep. <clears throat> and she thought it would be this like one time thing, but then she goes to school the next day and she sees that he's just like rereading this message that she wrote for him. And he ends up like writing it down and posting it like in his locker to look at every single day. Which sweet Manny. It's like his I little thing him. to like hold on to. Like, you know, again, you're enough. You're and we enough, find out later enough. like what she says to him in chapter 19. It's like, oh, like she was giving him this like hope to hang on to. And it was just like he took it and he ran with it. And so then she kind of felt like she had a purpose here, right? Like it wasn't yep. for nothing because it obviously meant something to that person that she wrote it for. So she became punk and she continued to write these messages for her students and she never made them personal, like saying names, which is why when the person who wrote the message on the lawn about Lila cheating on JD, we knew that wasn't her. Right. But now that she she kind of wants to stop because because of the person that wrote on the lawn, she's seeing that like people are following her lead and she doesn't really want it to get too out of hand or too destructive. Like she always 
like feels bad for the janitor that has to like clean up her mess. You no, know, she like gives him <laughs> nail polish remover. Yeah. That's what will get it off. Yeah. I mean, she really does try. But now she's like, I think I'm going to stop doing it. It's also because you're getting orgasms from Mason, but okay, fine. Yeah. Let's fine. I won't fine. paint. I shall orgasm. <laughs> I'm down for it, girl. I, I respect your choice. I respect it. I do. So between that and Mason, she decides to stop and then wonders if she will act out in some other way if Mason leaves. Taylor, did you ever act out in high school? Um, yes. Multiple times. I wouldn't say like at school. It was like hard to get away with stuff at school. But yeah, like to just like my family, I would, God, I would just like, I'm going to Omi's. <laughs> like I would just oh. like peace out and go to my grandmother's. Omi is the Russian slash Estonian way to go <gasps> to your grandmother. So, and we are Estonian. So I would just be like, I'm going to Omi's. Like I'm going to tell my, my kids to call me Omi because that just sounds really badass. Isn't it? Like that's my Omi. So I'm going to Omi's. A joke in our family is we call her Omi the homie. <laughs> <gasps> that's, I bet she loves it. Yeah. She feels real hip and cool. I don't know if she loves it, but. Or she's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. She probably does not. She's like, Omi, what? Millennials. <laughs> but <laughs> Okay, <yeah>. boomer. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah. So I would do stuff like that. I wasn't really like, I was very much like a, I like told my mom what I was doing. And 90% of the time I told my mom what I was doing. So Ryan begins to think more about her feelings for Mason, and she confesses that she doesn't want to go to prom with Trey. But she does want to go. And Mason hasn't asked her. <laughs> he hasn't asked me. Like, he lives – It okay, first, let's back it up here. She, he he didn't ask me. He's only been there for two weeks. Calm down. And you're horrible yeah, to him. he's only been there for two weeks. And he lives in an old – broken down amusement park where do you think this boy's it's getting homeless. a tux <laughs> yeah like, calm down anyways it's after school on friday she's walking out to her jeep lila and ten are there waiting for her i guess she's gonna like carpool situation them home i don't know they're in her jeep they're waiting for her trey comes up to her and she starts to like tell him off and Julie makes a comment about how she needs to show some reciprocation because the whole school sees you and Mason fucking around with each other. Well. <laughs> so what does she do? Well. What does Ryan do? She falls back in line and makes a comment about how Trey couldn't possibly be insecure when Mason Laurent is going to be walking your dog someday. Like, please. She just, like... Go it's, away. It's this consistent thing. And I mean, I get it because like being in high school, like you do, you have all these eyes on you that you think are on you and they're not, they're, no one really cares. But she's like, she takes, she gets like an inch, right? And we're like, yeah, Ryan, let's go, let's go. And then she's like, nope, I'm going to backpedal a mile and continue to be <laughs> just an asshole. So thanks. Yeah. While she's talking to Trey, she finally sees Mason in the parking lot and he's talking to JD. Which is interesting because, you know, J.D. and Trey are BFFs. Mm-hmm. But now, J.D. and Mason are becoming friends. So we, we really like J.D. here. We do like J.D. I really do like J.D. But Mason is also watching her with Trey. And he is annoyed to say the very least. <laughs> yeah, he's, get away from a girl one, yeah, two, Ryan, like, stop being fuck off. stupid idiot. <laughs> So, like, Lila comes over and makes a comment about how 
if she doesn't start being nicer to, to Trey, that he will find someone new. Oh, well, shit, Lila. I'm like, well, don't just fuck me. Oh, you mean like you? Because you were fucking him in the locker. Oh, okay. Oh, you mean you? Oh, okay. And now the whole school knows about it? Great. Like, it's not my job to make the cool jock feel good. It's not my job. I don't know where these, like, high school bratty um, accents are coming from, but, like, for some reason on this episode, I'm just, like, really feeling it. Like, I feel like I need to get to character. You <laughs> I know? know. I feel like I should just do a whole... Episodes like this, like this, like Lila. We would have zero listeners. <laughs> they would shut us off so fast. Please but it's probably going to keep happening because I'm really in a weird mood today. So y'all just buckle up. We're part two goofing. <laughs> it's like new boots, part two new- goofing. <laughs> Can't breathe. <laughs> I just think you clicking your heels together like the boots. <laughs> oh my god wow okay so lila's like giving her shit and we find out that not only that jd hasn't spoken to lila in a couple days he's now friends with mason and so ryan starts to make some digs over this with lila she's like don't worry about me worry about your boyfriend who's over there with mason whatever so dumb so Ryan, like, knows her and Lila hate each other, but she just can't bring herself to call her out. And she was, she was like, Mason this moment because Mason always calls Lila out on her bullshit. Like, she, she's just, like, she's just the epitome of – she is. She's Regina George. I think we need to burn books. Literally. How, how many times will I make – like, actually, I want to keep reading books where I can make these references because then I watch the movie and it's fun. But I just, like, I do. I want to burn book. I want these things. I want to be the person that, like – comes and takes Ryan and like puts her behind me and is like, there's the door, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's the door. (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) I promise we'll get through this. I promise. I'm going to start snorting in a minute. Quit. Um, so anyways, after, you know, Lila feels like she gave Ryan her, like, piece of sass for the day, like, really put her in her place, they go to get in her Jeep, and they watch this girl, Caitlin, is flirting with Mason and putting her number in his phone. Mm. And Ryan immediately is, like, jealous rage. Oh, she's not having it. She's like, uh, what does she think she's doing? That's my boy, not yours. And so Ten calls Caitlin dumb as a box of rocks. And it clicks in Ryan's head finally that that's why Mason calls her rocks. <laughs> Which is just, <laughs> again, I will tell you, even reading this book, that went whoop, right over my head until I, I read that I did not line. get this reference, I will say. I did not get that one. I got every other breadcrumb that she left me, but not that one. Yeah, and then so I felt like Ryan being like, huh, what do you think? Well, well look at that. <laughs> she went from, like, just jealousy, like, sickness jealousy to, like, jealousy hate rage in, like, two seconds. <laughs> yeah, she was like, no, we ain't playing this. So then Caitlin walks by their car, and Lila, being Lila, has to get in her business. She's like, what are you doing with Mason? And she's like, oh, we hung out the night before. We were up late. He's like an animal. <laughs> Shut up. Like, like, he's stop. an animal. Was he? Was he? So then he's like shatters Ryan. Like she wants to cry. Like she's just like, oh shit. Because she remembers that in the library he left her with, if I want something, I can get it from somebody else. Like I don't need it from you. Mm. So she's like, oh, he went and fucked Caitlin. Cool. 
So it's Friday night. Time for the drive-in. Which I've never been to a drive-in. Uh, Have you? Um, I don't want to say like never. Maybe when I was younger, but I never went like where I had a full functional memory of it. I feel like people who like hear that like I'm from the South are like, oh, you did a drive-in. Like that's something I would know what to do. And it's like I've never done that in my life. No, never done that. And also people think we have like one stoplight and like no stop signs and like we're just yeehaw and giddy up and down our streets and we're just not. <laughs> like, okay. I do love this part though at the drive-in because it's like back to that point in the book where it's like bullying, but like not, it's more of just like this like hate passion. Oh yeah. That I just, just love. This is like one of the smuttiest like scenes of the book. This is also a complete movie scene in my head. Oh, yes. Like, I could play this out in my head like a movie uh-huh. from start to finish. So yep. Ryan is at the concession stand when Mason comes up to her to return her inhaler from the night before, or two nights before. And Ryan's, like, giving him the cold shoulder. You know, she's pissed because Caitlin. So she's just, like, ignoring him. And, like, she's, like, trying to, like, open her straw and, like, keeps breaking straws because she's, like, so mad. <laughs> like, like shoving into the table. Yeah. <laughs> And so he's like starts like kind of gloating and like goading her, and he's like, "Oh, you heard, didn't you? I'm glad. I wanted you to hear about Caitlin." And she just like continues to like give him the cold shoulder. Doesn't really talk to him, and so he starts to talk about how good Caitlin is in bed, mm. causing Ryan to spill her drink. She's pissed. Like anger, rage, squeezes the cup, goes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Mason's just like smiling and like loving that she's jealous. So she finally confronts him about calling her rocks and how he's calling her dumb. And he starts to laugh and says, well, it took you long enough. Which, yeah, it took I mean, all of like, us long enough, buddy, because I didn't get it either. I think, like, this scene being in her point of view of, like, knowing that she's on the verge of tears right now. And, like, he just keeps, like, laughing and, like, picking at her. I really didn't like him in this moment. Like, in this I moment, either. I really did Well, and we figure out, like, later with, like, the whole Caitlyn stuff. But, like, at the same time, this is, like, the part of bully romance I just don't like. Like, I don't care what you say and it's hot and, like, hate, love, whatever. But, like, really <laughs> being rude. Like, I just hate it. Like, we do, we're humans. Don't be mean. I don't like it in this particular one scene of this because, again – I can immediately like feel that stomach ache response to like what she's feeling and it just makes me sick. But anyways, he makes up for it later. <laughs> he does. No, he does. <laughs> <laughs> so he's being so mean. She starts to tear up and finally screams at him to never call her that and that she isn't jealous. She doesn't appreciate him telling her about his sleazy bullshit. In which Mason responds by caging her into the counter, backing her ass up into it. And says how he doesn't like Trey touching her. Mm. But also, like, before you know about the Caitlyn issue, it's also like, who are you? Who are you? Like, that's the stuff. Like, that's when, like, my little feminist stuff comes out. And I'm like, oh, well, Caitlyn was over there saying you're an animal. Like, (laughs) No, I just, So then what does Ryan do? I love this. She takes an empty popcorn box, gives it to him, and says this is all the fucks that she has to give. Empty, empty popcorn box. That reminds me of you. <laughs> Shoves into his chest and says, these are all the fucks I have to give. And walks off. 
I was living for Ryan in this moment. Like, I was just like, yes. Well, she's just like a... She's like finally like getting the last word in with him. Yes. Like, she's kind of finally dishing it back to him. Like, she's... She wins this one. It's like Misha Mason 5,000 and Ryan won, but still. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, she ends up like walking off and... Of course, she, like, notices her friends, like, watching this interaction between them. And she ends up walking by Mason's truck, and she has an idea to fuck around with him. So she climbs into his truck and tries to figure out how to, like, do something. She doesn't really know yet. She's kind of like, looking around. She kind of wants to, like, leave a message on his seat, but everything's black. And then she finds a knife, and she's like, I don't really want to go carry underwood on him just yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, Carve, I probably would have. Carve into fine. his leather seats. Yeah. I would have, but it's fine. So then Misha opens the door and climbs in with her and locks the door and grabs her. And here we go. Here we it starts. probably one of the spiciest scenes of the entire book, I think. It is. This he one starts, was number one for me. I, I agree. He starts to kind of goad her and like throwing her jealousy in her face. He's definitely like pushing her for a reaction. And he's like, you know, were you jealous? Were you mad that you could be so easily replaced? Is that why you're in here trying to do something to my car? And she's just kind of like trying to get away from him. And he finally is like, get over it. Like, if I don't get it from you, I'll get it from someone else. The lot told hassle. Yeah. And so she just continues to get pissed and she tries to keep fighting him off of her. And he goes, if it doesn't bother you, then you shouldn't want to run away. And she's about to open the door and get out of the truck and he keeps going and he says, I hate him for this line. I didn't think about you at all when I was in bed with her last night. She was hot. She turned me on. She liked my hands on her and liked how she, how she felt. And he's just now just being cruel to her. Like, he's like, she wasn't average or boring or stuck up. She excited me. Mm-mm. And this is what I hate. I really don't like him. But just wait, because he turns it around real I quick. I know, I know. But I still. didn't think he would be able to, but that's the magic of Penelope Douglas. Yeah. Okay. Drags you into a deep part Like two seconds and then we're back. And, and it's then like, you're oh back. Don't worry. You're out of the hole. <laughs> so then she starts to cry. And he finally like demands like, tell me you're jealous. And then it was like light bulb for me. Like, oh, okay. This is all a play. Yeah. Here we go. And he's like, tell me you're trying to think about how much I loved fucking her. Tell me something true and I'll let you leave. And she just like refuses to tell him anything. So Mason continues like, just pushing, pushing, pushing. And he gets kind of sad now. And he ends up like fogging the window of his breath. And he writes fear, like his finger on it. So wait, we have- she won't open up to him. Right. So we have alone, empty, shame, fraud, shame, fear, fear. And, you know, he's clearly trying to kind of push her to break. And to drop this cool, mean girl vibe that she holds on to that he knows isn't her. And so she goes to leave again and he starts, I love this part though, because he kind of starts to get scared and he's like, oh shit, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's I, like, I pushed I you. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and he's like, I hate seeing you cry. And he admits that he doesn't sleep with Caitlin and he just went along with Caitlin's insinuations because he wanted to make Ryan jealous. That was his whole right. goal in this. And he's like, I'm sorry, don't leave. I didn't sleep with her. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want anyone else. And he just like, like emotional vomit out of his mouth. Like he goes from like hard ass to like, oh shit, sorry, sorry, sorry. I love you. I want you. It's only you. I can only think about you. <laughs> I think about you all the time. I'm sorry. It's me. It's you. I love you. I just wanted you to know. And it's like, 
Jesus Christ. And Why couldn't you guys goes, just say this? That's what I'm talking about, bully shit. She just slaps the shit out of him. And I'm like, <laughs> he deserved it. He did. That's you just you don't need to be on a roller coaster of like complete anger to, oh no, sorry, I love you, I want you, don't hate me, oh my god. <laughs> I would slap the shit out of him too. Like, how dare you? I know. And that's you? what I don't like about bully romances. No, I still love it. I just I know you love, love it. the story. <laughs> <laughs> I like that she slaps him back. That's like, it can be that, but she got her little like, mm, in back, you know? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I hate you. <laughs> I can't uh, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, we're just not What's gonna happening? get through this. We're not gonna get through this today. <sighs> we are. We are getting through it. Let's go. So after Ryan slaps him, he pulls her into his lap. This is just this, this scene just gets me going. You. I'm going to let you. I will not make one comment. Go ahead. Like, Whoa. And he explains that he had every right to touch Caitlin. He didn't, but he would have every right to because she has a boyfriend, but Ryan is the one that turns him on. She isn't boring. She isn't average or stuck up. He kind of like corrects everything that he says. And he knows that she's scared. But they won't understand them because she is perfect and he's the bad boy. But they don't matter because no one knows how they feel. It is they them don't. against the world. I love it. Us against the world. You weren't expecting that one. Let you me hold on. Let me chug my wine now. It's another song. <laughs> sip, sip. Okay. <clears throat> and I love Ryan again because she finally like looks at him and she goes, "If you touched her, it's not going to be pretty." And he goes, I know. I'll keep the knife in here for you. <laughs> I got it. Damn Don't worry. you will. I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. If you need to cut me, I have my knife in here. I'm telling you, Misha is a freaky. Mm. Mm. He's only in high school. Let's just wait. Says he's an adult. <laughs> we'll get a Devil's Night series in a minute later on. But you just wait. You just wait. Are you waiting? I'm waiting for you. Okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> they start getting all hot and heavy and sweet. And Ryan realizes all your friends are around the truck and wants to go somewhere else. But Mason don't give a fuck. I ain't about it. She's like, oh, we should go somewhere else. And he's like, nah, bitch. I don't so we have so. to set the scene, though. They're like around the car. Yeah, like they're around the car. And they don't like. Trey, her like boyfriend, not boyfriend, is like. Against the window, a passenger window that she's looking out of. Which is so funny to me because they, like, hate this dude. But, like, yeah, lean up against his truck. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to show him. I'm going to touch his truck. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan soon realizes that she doesn't care either. And she ends up, like, blatantly tells him, I want to get fucked. Well, shit. Okay. Like, yeah, we she's just like, went, I want to get fucked. She oh. was like. And I love just like Mason like was not expecting that. Like, he's like eyes like get huge, and he's like, "Oh, oh, okay." Right so now, I love this too. He like goes to get a condom like out of the center like, console, his, the yeah, truck, yeah. and she's like, "Why do you have condoms in here if you don't fuck girls in here?" 
And you're like, that would be me. No, that but, would totally be me. I would totally pull that. I would be crazy like that. You would. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, but this is not, give me what I need. Okay. But he like, says, like, he says though, oh, I've never had anyone in here. And she's like, well, then why the fuck do you have condoms in here? Because what is she supposed to put them? Is a roll of condoms? or No, like, I'm oh. telling you. I'm just saying I would have been crazy girl too right here. <laughs> I, I would have also asked and been psycho about this question. So then, like, in the moment of all this, she also – we have to get some self-reflection here. And she realizes that she doesn't really know anything about him. She kind of starts, like, questioning him. Like, where do you come from and where are your parents? And he responds. The only way a moody, artistic, bad boy would do. Close your eyes. There's nothing to see out here. <laughs> and also – like you would have loved that. I would have been like, I'm not closing my fucking eyes. He like closed her eyes for her. Like I would, it's like, like his eyelids, like, shh. <laughs> like, okay, I don't want to get fucked anymore. Like, we're okay, out. Yeah, you totally ruined that for me, and I really am cringing now. Okay, I'm, I'm seeing what you saw here. when you read this now, yeah. and I'm cringing. Okay, yeah. let's just fast. Let's just get to the good stuff then, because this is making me really uncomfortable. <laughs> but once again, like, how do you not know? He's already said this to you multiple times. Like, you actually helped him write these lyrics. Newsflash. Yeah, those but, are lyrics okay. that he just said. What he just said to you are lyrics, and not you helped write those lyrics, and exactly. yet you don't understand because you're a box of rocks. <laughs> so distracting from her questions, he starts to go down on her. And Trey is right outside the window. Right there. I would love this. Like this, this reminds me of like kind of a scene-ish of like from Blood Nash when their carriage scene. It's like the most inappropriate thing, but like they're gonna do it just to like, get back at somebody. Like Yeah, when they're fucking on the ashes. Like yes. what? <laughs> yeah, yes. Like, yes. But in terms of, like, it's, like, the biggest, like, it's the biggest fuck you, you know? It's like, haha, watch me. You have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. They get down and dirty, and it's just, I can't even put this scene into words. I'm not even going to try. I'm really not going to because. No, I mean, okay. I I just can't. Well. And I love how she's like, just for a minute, we have to stop. And it's like, bitch, please. Like, it's not for a minute. Yeah, you about to. You about we just digging in for a minute. Get time in your little stopwatch, and you're gonna make a. Like, about no, to you're show not. You the damn world. And like the truck starts moving, I'm just like dying. Well, we have to say that like like this is the first time they have sex, so like he's going down on her and everything, and then they have sex, and your head is like, <laughs> this is the best part. Trey's right outside, and her head is just like banging into the door. He has to like put her hand. Um, like in between the door and her head. Yes. I mean, she, that's very considerate of him, but. Thank you for stopping the concussion. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's like, it was, I just was like, <laughs> like I cringed for them in the car. I loved it. I mean, it was hot as shit. Like they're fucking, he, Trey's outside. It's steamy. It reminds me of the when Titanic When I put myself theme. in the high school mind of things, oh. that was like the hottest thing I'd ever read. Oh, as a high schooler. Yes. Oh, Because yeah. I've been there and done that. And it's like, okay, whoa. Yeah. yeah. You're like, whoo, the cleanup sucks, but whoo. <laughs> like, True. <laughs> but they are. It reminded me of the Titanic scene, like I said. All the windows are fogging <gasps> up. Damn. Yes. Oh. Yes. That's what it reminded me of. They're, the windows are fogging up. All their friends are outside. 
All of this is happening around them. They're in their own little world. Their little bubble. They're in their bubble. Don't burst the bubble. It was cute. I won't. But like after the moment's over, Mason tries to tell Ryan something, but he just can't get it out. Things get very, very awkward. What do you think he was going to say here? He's like, Ryan, I, and then I'm Misha. But then he doesn't say it. Do you think he was like going to say that? That's what I thought. I think that he was leading to that because they just had sex and like there's all this stuff like between them. He's been carrying on this charade and like living in an amusement park and like pretending the he's homeless. The hormones are flowing. Yes. And I thought like, oh, this is like he's going to finally tell her. And he's like, uh, uh, like he doesn't. And that was annoying. And then like, like, I it just gets so awkward afterwards. Like, yeah, it's so awkward after. It is really weird, but it also reminds me of, like, high school. Like, what are you supposed to do after that? Like, everything's great and hot and whatever, and then it's like, all right, see you in English. (laughs) True. (laughs) Very true, though. It was actually kind of a real moment now that you say it because, yeah, after, yeah, it gets kind of weird. So on the way home from the drive-in, they bang it out in the car, and then they just, like, leave in his truck. And so on the way back to Ryan's house – Mason's iPod starts playing Without Me by Eminem. Great song. Great. Can you Great. rap that one for us or no? I can't. I can't. Jukebox Taylor? I can't do nope. that one. I'm not a good rapper. Throw okay, well, whenever on. Love the Way You Lie comes up later, I can totally oh, do that one. I've got that because that was like my boyfriend-girlfriend song in Same. high school. Because like, God, because I just had such a tumultuous relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a silly, goofy mood. (laughs) On the way home from the drive-in, things are still awkward, but they're not horrible because Mason's iPod starts playing Without Me by Eminem, and Ryan starts to smile. But when Mason questions her about her reaction to the song, she tells him about a friend who hates her taste in music. It was like a memory with this friend. And so it leads to Mason asking her questions about this lifelong pen pal that she has. We get to see how, like, Misha kind of handles this conversation. And he goes, well, have you ever lied to him? And she says, yes. He gets the version of me that I want to be. Which, I'm sorry. That's like the first question he asked after she shows the pen pal. Like, I would have been, like, red flag weird. Or that's a weird like, That's a weird first question to ask. But Like, I would have okay. gone to, who's the pen pal? Like, maybe that would have been the first one. <laughs> yep. So then he's like, oh, were you going to tell your pen pal about me? And she's like, probably. Would you be jealous? And he goes, you'll need your friends. And she's like, what the hell does that mean? Like, he's just being so weird, like so distant, so quiet, so uncomfortable and awkward. And so they get back to her house. She's like, all right, cool. Bye. But he ends up getting out and he ends up like running after her. And he's like, what was your pen pal's name? Now he asked the sensible question. Yeah. After being a weirdo. And she says, Misha, and they kind of have this cute little moment. And, like, he keeps, like, telling, like, finding ways, like, make her say the name Misha. But we know why, because he wants to hear her say his name. But I still don't know how she Misha doesn't understand. I really don't understand how she doesn't put two and two together. It's really fucking annoying. It is. Because at this point, like, you should have all of these things, like, at least for me, and maybe I, I was probably dumb. I was dumb as shit in high school, so maybe I wouldn't have. But, like, I think I would have started putting two and two together just with, like, all the notes, all the things that were popping up, everything that was being said. 
And even here, when he like jumps out of the car and he's like, whoa, 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 what, what was your pen pal's name? You know what I mean? Then I'd be like, why are you so interested? So then Monday morning comes around, we're back at school and Ryan finds a note from Mason on her locker. This sweet little note about just, just sweet note about how. Beat nothing. You can't. Yeah. So in our class, Mason's there talking to Manny, but overall acting like they don't know each other. They're still keeping up this facade that like they're not together. And he passes her a note that says, I can't wait to kiss you. I miss I miss the note passing days. I do too, because that's that shit got you through the day. Like I, I still have all of mine in a box. That is crazy. I do have a lot of my st- high school stuff. Like my mom made me go through it in college when to like put it in storage. And I did. I uncovered all that stuff, and it was super fun to do that with your husband right there when he came home to visit. Oh, wasn't that <laughs> so great? You're like, oh, hey, thanks, Mel. <laughs> thanks, <this>. Melody. <laughs> um, and awesome. Steve, Steven's like reviewing a note, and he's like, "Oh, this is great. <laughs> Thank you. Great. This is so sweet, Taylor. Wow, <laughs> we're a boyfriend girlfriend at the start, but geez, that was cool. Fine. So, of course, who has to come interrupt art class? Trey again. He comes into art class and he sees Ryan and just to be a douche, <laughs> Mason's like carving into the table <laughs> because he's so mad that Trey's there like flirting with her. Yeah, this is like a fucking nut. <laughs> and Ryan's like, she, she again has this like recollection of like, I don't want to go with Trey, but me, Mason's not going to ask me. Now that I, now that I see he's angry. So, you know what? That's good. If he, you know, wants me to find a new prom date, then he can man up and ask me. And so he she can starts, do it. Yeah. So then she starts to use Trey to goad Mason. And I really don't like that she does this, but I can't say I wouldn't have done it, not done it either. Yeah, he just did it with the Caitlin situation. So it's like, all right. She, yeah, she's like her way of like kind of getting him back here. So then she's like just kind of goading him, talking about prom with him. And Trey eventually starts to be an ass to Manny. And then he threatens Mason. He's like, you know, you hit me in the parking lot and I just threaten him and all this shit. So after Trey leaves, Ryan pretends to get something out of her bag because, God forbid, you actually talk to Mason in person. It's just crazy, right? She pretends to get something out of her bag while whispering to Mason, tell me you're jealous. And it's the same thing that, like, he said to her in the car, talking about the Caitlyn. And then she's like, tell me I'm yours. And he's, like, not answering her. And she starts to kind of, like, tear up in class. And she's just like, I feel like you're about to disappear. She's so unsure of, like, what's going on with him right now. Right. He ends up, like, promising to tell her everything that's going on, just not yet. And it's like, Misha. What's going this, on? This, <laughs> this is your point. Like, this is your your time. Like, get it out. Now. Tell her. So then he sees, like, what she's drawing. He's like, oh, like, what is that? And she's like, oh, you know, it's an album cover of my friend Misha I was telling you about. And he, of course, has this, like, big reaction to it because he's like, oh, shit. That's me. It's my album cover. She's so awesome and great. And, of course, she asks about him. He's like, oh, nothing. And so then she's just fucking frustrated. Like, lack of communication. He's not telling her anything. And she's just like, all right, fuck this bitch. Fuck boys. I'm done. <laughs> but also, like, with the album cover, and she knew that she, that where she met Mason, Misha, was at this, the warehouse for the scavenger hunt for a band. How many small town bands are there is my biggest question. That she hasn't put it together. She, she didn't know. Put it together. She didn't know that that was his band name. No, no, no. I know. But I'm just saying, like, no, how many? If you're going to go to a band party, you think you would look up the members of the band and Correct. you would see his name. 
Call me crazy. Or even if you wanted to like be in the scavenger hunt for said band, like Jesus Christ. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. So later that day at lunch, Lala tells Ryan how shitty it was for her to leave with Mason at the drive-in. But then we finally kind of start to see Ryan like stand up to Lila here. She kind of smarts off to her, basically tells her it's none of her business and to fuck off. Then Trey and JD kind of sit with him at the table. And of course, Trey like wants to fuck with someone. So he tells Ryan to go invite Mason to his party next week. And at first, Ryan wants nothing to do with this. She knows it's going to be like a bad plan, like a setup where he's probably going to invite Mason to his house and beat the shit out of him. But then Trey turns to Lila, who's like, oh, well, you're not scared. You'll go do it. And she's like, nope, that's fine. I'll do it. So she ends up going over to Mason's table, and she sits down all sassy in front of him. Do you want to come to the party? Yeah, I come to the party. <laughs> and he ends up, like, grabbing her and, like, pulling her into his lap, straddling in the middle of lunch. My high school would have erupted. Oh, this would have never happened. We did not touch people. <laughs> there is a six foot distance at all times. Yeah, we had to leave her for Jesus, okay? Praise Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like, we were six inches apart. Catholic school girls. Except for in the choir room. Okay. I hate you. Okay. okay. <laughs> so she's like straddling him and she's up whispering, like, I don't want you to go. And altogether, so, it's just going to be an awful situation. Yeah. It's just stupid. Mason kind of like plays with her back and. He's like, why do you care? Because you're still taking him to prom. Like, can we get over prom? Can we get over prom? Can we stop with prom? I No, I agree with you 100%. Like, you're still taking him to prom. Like, just shut up. She's not dating him. No, she's she, not. Like, stop it. So she's like, well, I love this. Has anyone else asked me? And he goes, well, would you say yes? And she's like, ask and find out. And would then the s- principal comes in. Trey's mama. Trey's mama's here. And tells her to get off his lap. But Mason just grabs her and tells the principal, she gets off my dick when I tell her to get off. Okay. We would have been uh, – diploma <laughs> would have been taken. Like, there would have been no in-school, out-of-school suspension, exp- expulsion. It would have been like, you're not graduating high you're school. You're done. You won't even be eligible for a GED. See you later. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Allie's drunk. <laughs> I just hit my glass. Calm down. If you would stop singing, I would stop drinking. But you keep singing, so really it's your fault. Okay. I'm just kidding. I love your singing. <laughs> okay. Um, so then he just, like, stands up and walks out of the room. Which, again, we would have never done it to our principal. No. Like, I don't care how much my principal sucked. Like, there's just – No. My bigger fear would have been Melody. Like, that would have been – Melody walking up into my school would have been the end of the world for me. Yeah, your ass would have been grass. 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 I would, she, always used to, she always used to threaten me that, like, she's like, I will cut your legs off. And, then, <gasps> and I would Probably. be like, Melody. Like, that Calm was – down, yeah, mother. Like, and then I had this Chill. ultimate fear of, like, my mom would cut my legs off. So I just didn't do stupid dumb shit. That's good – I'm going to use that when I have kids. It clearly worked on you. It worked <laughs> I'm going to cut your legs off and help you walk. What? <laughs> That's the shit my mom would yeah. tell me. Like, what? And then it really worked. You didn't act out in school, so. Misha is on his way 
to break into Ryan's house in the middle of the night. And we see him feeling guilty about not telling her who he is. And he's trying to decide how to tell her and why he's at her school without losing his best friend. But as he enters Ryan's room, he catches her <laughs> in the act with her vibrator. In the act. Have you also, been caught I did not have a vibrator by Steven, but like not um, like by <gasps> my mom. Really? I've yeah, I didn't have a vibrator in high school. No, well, I have a vibrator in high school. Well, I don't even think like I've been caught by Steve, but like I have accidentally left my vibrator, like what I thought was an inconspicuous location, but it's obviously not. And um, he would be like, whoa, he'd like, he like hold, hold of course he wants to play with it. And yeah. he was like, what does this do? And like, turns yeah, it's like a I'm fun like, new toy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> such a boy. <laughs> no, I've never been caught, but, um, well, I've never been caught masturbating. I've been caught other times, but not, not masturbating. In other acts. In other, <laughs> other acts, but not that act. <laughs> <laughs> I think, okay, picture yourself in high school and you're doing that. And not I didn't have a vibrator. Just like some random guy. But even, <laughs> just picture it. Oh, and someone the fuck and walks some, like, in. Not even like someone, like not your boyfriend, like some boy that you actually kind of hate, but like not, and he just walks in and then like, I would die. A million I would die. Deaths. Oh, I'd be done. Like there would be. I would not go back. Mom, we have to put me in another school. Like we're, we're done. We're moving. <laughs> we're moving. Mom, we have to leave. Call you all. We're loading up and we're. Out I've here. called them. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I've already called. This is my courtesy, telling you to get your shit and get in the car. <laughs> we're out here. <laughs> it then instructs her. God bless it. <laughs> Why do I have to, you know what? Next book, you're in charge of having the book, the sex breakdowns. I explained. The next book is going to be a ride. Okay. Listen, I explained the butt plugs situation That's true. That's last, true. last episode. And if you guys haven't heard it, wow, what a time. But the bejeweled butt plug. <laughs> the bejeweled butt plug. With the neon tie. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and so this is fine. It's fine. I'll explain it. But I also love, you love. I love smut so much and watching you cringe while doing this is my favorite thing. It's my favorite pastime. It's not like a cringe, but like anytime there's like a like a masturbation point to it. Oh yeah. Or like a we're gonna watch each other go into that. Like just can't breathe. Cannot breathe. I'm just like I'm a weak ass bitch. And I think every like God forbid I like show my husband my body. But I'm like God forbid. God forbid I'm like, oh, these are boobs. Um Which if you knew Taylor and her husband, you would totally laugh at that because <laughs> you were so not that way. Like you and Steven just share it all anyway. We really so, do. I don't know why. <laughs> no, like I don't know do why I'm a weirdo. She's just like she's leaning too much in the Catholic school girl. Uh, fine. I'm just kidding. But I'm just kidding. It's not. It's not. It's not weird. But yes, and but I do get what you think because even like in the beginning of me even sharing that with my husband, like being like, oh, I. I'm a master, master, a masterpiece. Like, <laughs> it was just it's like so a, terrifying. Ooh. But why? And he was just like, "Oh, cool, me too." Like in the shower, babe. And I'm like, "Oh, you just in the shower?" And he's like, "Yeah, all the time." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." Never you mind. can clean the shower. <laughs> Hallie's gonna come stay in my house, and we only have <gasps> one and a half bathrooms. And when she's gonna see the bottle of bleach, I can't wait. <laughs> wait, I come and stay with you like next weekend. Oh my god should i come a day early and we should podcast the next episode please do it oh my god please do it we'll keep you we'll keep you posted 
<laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Something about this scene. Like I loved reading it and it got the lady parts going, but like having to like now verbally talk about this on a podcast, for some reason it's making me like heated, sweating. <laughs> okay. My face I- is a tomato i will do it okay like i have heat coming out of my body i can feel it okay i'll do it oh my god (laughs) she said it yeah i'm like i can (laughs) so she yes so they get get through this point obviously he goes to sit down in her like little desk chair and he's watching her do this (laughs) she's she turns over and takes her vibrator and lays it (laughs) lays it on the bed and then she starts to ride said vibrator. Which is like under- not the way I would have gone about it. But uh, that's okay. No. Would it have been yours? It, it wasn't. I can tell you it was not. So, I mean, you don't need to say what it would be because it was not. It, it wasn't. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't that. Think of her in high school and she's like already pulling this out. And then think of her our age. And Wow. She's already Dude, my age, and I'm like, whoa, that was woo. But no, she's 17 and just whipping out all these moves. Yeah. Screw if I was a boy and some girl at 17 did this to me, I wouldn't have lasted two seconds. No, I would have. My, my, the pants would have been <laughs> ruined. I'm like, I was just trying to place myself as a 17 year old boy. Yeah. And I was like, do it. Mm, it's oh. fine. I like to think on the other end of things. And I'm like, how does that oh. work out? So, yeah. Interesting. So he goes and he keeps instructing her. She's playing on her vibrator, whatever. So then he gets to a point where he like can't take it anymore. So he gets up on the bed and is like, Touching her removes the vibrator from under her, which is hilarious to me. Like, I'm like, why well, don't I just leave that there? But okay. <laughs> okay, thanks. Oh, you think you know everything, don't you, Misha? You're only 18. Calm yeah. down. Uh-huh. So then. Shows what a rookie you really are. Yeah, you removed the thing that probably is going to help you, but whatever. So whatever. <laughs> takes it, moves it away. He undoes his pants. Now, I just have to, like, preface all of this. I love this. He undoes his pants. He undoes undoes his pants. He does. So then he – sorry, my preface. I got sidetracked because I wanted to jump right back into Misha having sex. But they are in her home at, like – It's, like, 4 a.m. Yeah, 4 or 5 a.m. Yeah. And her family, her sister and her mom, are asleep at home. I mean, like I've done it before. I can't say yeah, anything. Yeah, I can't say anything either. But also that makes me worried as a parent one day. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. So the drawers are down. <laughs> the pants. The pantaloons are off. And pantaloons. <laughs> the pantaloons are off. So then Misha gets on top of her and he starts having sex with her that I would not imagine at 17. Like, I, I, I felt like maybe you were different. But I was just having like... I was having fun having sex at that Okay, age. wait. What do you mean? Like, I don't get too crazy here. They don't. He does doggy style. Yeah, I wasn't doing you it. Totally I'm trying to put- doggy style in high school. Are you kidding? Uh, no, I didn't. You didn't? I did not. I'm not kidding wow. you. I'm not shaming. I just, I. Like, I, like, I would do, I did, like, the on top and stuff, but, like, I, I, on top and stuff, like, that doesn't happen now. Oh, my God, I hate me. Um, but, like, we're I. We're only missionary now. <laughs> we're almost 30. It's only missionary. We, we're going back. Like, I'm done with me. But we're. Okay, okay. He calls her a hot little brat. And he, I'm just that's, saying. That was, that's hot. 
Did you think that? I, I, I don't, that, I don't know. This whole scene was hot. I don't know because like sometimes you're like, eh, too mean. But like I'm, I'm learning that. We're learning together. Brad and Slut were okay. Okay. See, we don't know because we haven't talked about this book yet. So like I'm learning. <laughs> you're, I'm learning that I probably have a degradation key, clearly, because I love when people, clearly, boys tell me I'm a bit. Like they be mean to me and I love it. Like – you're learning that bitch is a no-go. Slut, slut and brat. Fine. <laughs> slut, slut and brat. Fine. Just a slutty little brat. So we can make that work. They continue on. And I will say that their sex here is like, it wasn't the spiciest, but it's the most emotional. And I love emotional sex. Like I love when you're connecting with somebody. Well, their anal sex coming up is super emotional. <laughs> you're about to get a lot of it. <laughs> it's no I will say the anal scene I because I was doing my like notes and stuff and I remember like one of my notes on there was like the most emotional sex scene ever and it was anal period but it's not crazy because we talked about this last episode and I we have discovered since then that it is the most vulnerable sexual intercourse you can have I think that's why my anal just sucked because I wasn't emotionally It was there. just like a, hey, you want to try? Sure, why not? Up, oh, nope, and we're done. <laughs> I have, like, no comment because you know how I feel about this. <laughs> but, like, good, good for people who love it. I – maybe one day. Maybe zero. Probably not, but maybe one day. Z days. I'm going to call days you, like, me. randomly and be like, Taylor. Taylor, Taylor. <laughs> if you call me and tell me about your anal sex, I will hang up this phone. <laughs> Like, no, you I, won't. I won't. I'll listen no, to you. you. I will listen, but I will be <laughs> so. Maybe I'll try it again. Okay, you can keep it to yourself if you want. Maybe we should do like maybe <laughs> oh, we should like a sex. No, no. We should no. like a... All right, fine. You can give me a sex assignment. I'll tell you how it is, and then I'll share my story because I. Get, <laughs> and then I'll have some, Stephen let's on. Let's get more than like thirty listeners, and then we can put that on the table. We can do that, and then I will record my husband. Telling me about the experience as well. I will record Sean telling me, fuck no. <laughs> and like, that's fine if you want to do it, but you're not talking about it on your podcast, honey. But we are. Bye. Bye, Sean. But I am. And surprise, you're the you're the guest host. Surprise! All these microphones were for fun. It's for you. We're going to have marriage counseling on the podcast today. Featuring Taylor and Steven. <laughs> Yay! And we'll call in like a therapist. This could be fun. This could be fun. This would be a good Not time. for them, but it could be. It could be a... Okay, one day. One day. One day. Who knows? Dare me to do something crazy. I'll do it, and we'll come back and talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So while they're getting down and dirty, they're in doggy. He pulls her up to where he's now whispering in her ear. Do you want me to do stick figures? No, I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> what it is. Thank you. Wait, do you want me to whisper what he says? Oh, you're really going to set the mood now. Yeah, go ahead. Let me hear it. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> you're my tribe. <gasps> and she's like. Paused. Pause mid-thrust. What did you just say? You're my tribe. But then he's like, oh, fuck. I shouldn't have said that. I'm being Mason right now, not Misha. That was really good, Taylor. That, like, gave me chills for a minute. You're welcome. Anyways. So she's like, uh, wait, wait a minute. What'd you say? And Mason, like, knows he fucked up. Didn't mean to let that slip. But he kind of ignores her question. 
He ends up like asking her, like, hey, I'm gonna do something illegal tonight. Do you wanna come? She's like This is uh, all in thrust. In the thrust. Like <laughs> middle, like a full blown conversation. We're just chatting. <laughs> and she's like, um, I don't really trust you, but sure, okay. Fine. So then we get to chapter 14, Saturday night. The cheerleaders at the baseball game are having a bake sale. Of a bake sale. But Lila went and bought all the stuff from the store. She didn't really bake them. <laughs> I would never. I would never do I don't that. have time. Like, I would always bake my baked goods. I didn't. I totally bought that shit. Yeah, I totally <laughs> too. I just really want to rag on Lila. I know. <clears throat> so Mason's there in the parking lot with his friends, checking her out, eye-fucking her. And they're just so fucking cute. Like, picture this. Game day. You're in the parking lot. You're in your cheerleading outfit with your big fucking bow on your head. And you look over. It's like bad boy tattoo lip ring against his Ford Raptor. Black Ford Raptor truck. Like, go back. Go back with me, Taylor. Like, Southern oh. Days, Georgia and Alabama here. And, like, that's the vision you see. And he's just like, mm. like, I would die. Okay. I would so die. Let me tell you. I, I would have those things happen. But it was not an emo boy. It was some boy I'm like... Southern comfort and <laughs> no same, but like just imagine it was that. Like imagine it was I know. that. I'm just laughing at, at it because I'm like, eh. yeah, no, because I never actually dated like anything that I like. What I like simp over now is like not anything close to what I actually date in real life. Well, you're married, but yes, <laughs> no, but like before that, like oh, and my yes, husband, yes. like we are like my husband wears Wrangler, like he looks damn good in Wranglers though, Wranglers mm. boots. I mean. Like a chicken that's what and we do. But in my book world, that's all about books. My book world, though, I get to be with Amisha. Yeah. You know? No, the Andy I, Blacks. I understand. Believe me, there are times. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted a moment that Got we it. reflect back on high school, like being that cheerleader on game day in the parking lot. There's a sense of like energy around you on game day, you know? Like, oh, it's a sense. Game day when you're a cheerleader in high school is like, <gasps> put your face Ooh. on, girls. Face on, bow on, and her bow is on. So much so that Mason comes over and makes fun of her hair bow, which I love. I love that he comes over and, like, teases her. But she starts to tease him back. She, like, grabs his collar and, like, yanks him in. It's like, you left bruises all over my tits this morning, and if you're not nice, I won't let you kiss them better later. And finally, like, Mason starts to blush. Like, he's like, <gasps> and she's like she got <laughs> me. So she shoves him away and says, now buy some cookies. Like, I love, like, this is, like, the back and forth that we love. Like, oh, they're I do both lo- being this very mean, banter. but, like, they're both into it. And it's it's flirting. It's high school flirting. You're being mean. You're flirting. Oh, no. I, it's not, I, like, I, damaging. I flirted like this. I did. Y- yes, you did. Yes, you I did. That's probably how I got my husband. That's how I got my husband. That's how I got you. It is. We're mean people. Pass me the fireball, Bitch. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> now tip me now t- <laughs> he's like bitch i'm your co-worker i don't care <laughs> give me, me more of your money <laughs> for those of you that don't know taylor and steven worked at the same college bar together and so it was like we all got to watch this like love story of bartenders like unfold before our eyes i actually it didn't think beautiful. about that in your point of view but yes steven has long hair his man bun. You had your boobs up. <laughs> the A's were out. We were just like slinging. Like it was the busiest bar 
<laughs> of the entire campus. I think period. I made more. I made more money in that bar in a weekend than I made working a full time job. So fun. So fun. Good Wait, times. Yes. Buy some cookies. Buy some cookies from Lila. No, bitch. Actually, he does. He ends up buying $100 worth of cookies. And Ryan's it's like, like, where do you get this fucking money? Yeah. Ryan's like, you're homeless. And like, I have to give you granola bars in class because you don't eat. Okay. Let's just spend $100 on cookies. Yeah, for sure. You got it. Buddy. Cool. So your friends like kind of start to question their relationship. Like Tin's kind of like, what's going on? Like that was a charged reaction there. And Ryan's just like, doesn't really give them anything. And you kind of get some insight of how she thinks about their relationship and she likes it. It's a secret. They get to sneak around and she loves that aspect. And it's, she even says like, I love having this one thing that makes me happy that I don't have to share with anyone else. It's kind of like Misha. Once the game starts, she sneaks off uh, to join Misha on his illegal mission for the night. And in the car, Mason's being all secretive about where they're going to go. So Ryan starts second guess saying, she would do this with him. She's kind of like, shit, what did I get myself into? And she tries to realize that she's falling for him, but she has this feeling that he's going to leave or disappear, which leads to her wanting to tell Mason how she feels. So she tells him, I love this whole conversation. I don't have it like fully in front of me, but like she just kind of just was like, I like you. Like it was such a like movie moment of like this like awkward, I know I'm weird and can be mean to you and I'm all over the place, but like I do like you. I like you a lot. <laughs> and he just doesn't say anything. They pull up to Trey slash the principal's house. And Mason explains that the family heirloom is in the house and he needs it back. And Ryan is super confused, as we would all be. And she's just like, I can't believe you. Like, you won't tell me anything. Now we're breaking in and entering and you're involving me. Like, I get in trouble. She's wearing her cheerleading uni- uniform. Someone's going to know who I am. Yeah. And she's like, I don't mean to be a hypocrite, like being punk and all, but I don't want to do this. Because he's always like, oh, you broke into school, but you broke into the middle's house. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is, you're not telling me why I'm doing this. And this is a big deal. So then when she asked why he would ask her to do this, he answers, it's important because you're the one I trust and the one I want here. So Ryan decides to help him. Once they're inside the house, they end up in the principal daughter Emma's room. And Emma is like a six-year-old. And Ryan's like, this is weird. Whatever you're looking for wouldn't be in a six-year-old's room. Like, yeah, what are we doing here? didn't steal anything from you. But Misha's just kind of standing there in the room, breathing heavy, having this moment in her room. And again, once we've already read the book, we're assuming you've read the book. We know that the principal is Misha's mom that left him. And... When I first read this through, this part with Emma, like, specifically, I kind of, like, glanced over and didn't really, I didn't, like, recognize. I didn't either. Like, the weight of it. Um, But on my reread, I was like, oh. Right. Because he's, like, watching this whole other life that his mom built. And, you know, it's – you start to really see, like – when you do do a reread of this or glance, you know, get back through the chapters of it. I even like the interactions with Trey and even like the, she doesn't know. I, yeah, like we'll get into that, but 
It's yeah, the just mom. Sad. Yeah, the mom doesn't. Just to be clear, again, we're assuming you all already read the book. At this moment, just to refresh, the mom doesn't know who Mason is, but Mason knows who the principal slash his mom is. Yep. So that kind of gives you one little tick mark in his plan of like why he's at the school, what he's kind of doing, and. And it's like he, like people are like, oh, well, like he hates Trace. Like, what's it matter? And it's like, I think because Trace is age and he sees who Trace, even though you're not, you're technically an adult, you're 18. I mean, you are, you're on the same level as him. But when you look at like a six year old little girl when he lost his sister Annie, I think in that moment, it's just like, I have a sister that I've never met that my wife chose to be there for this little girl, but she wasn't there for my sister. Yeah. But also, I lost a sister, and here's another sister. I feel like there's probably so many conflicting emotions going on in this moment of him, like, being in that room, just why he kind of freezes up in Emma's room. It's Again, it's hard to, like, put these characters into high school, but just imagine a high schooler going through that, you know? Like, your emotions and hormones are just so big, and you've already – you're trying to find your place in the world, and then, you know, this is – now you're basically confronting – every issue you have in life by just stepping in your half-sister's room that you've never met. It's crazy. Yeah. This, I think the reason this particular book that I've read, like really, especially towards the end, like shook me and like really stuck with me is because there are aspects to Misha's life that like you and I can both relate to. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? And we're not going to get into that like deep, we weren't the picture perfect family with like the perfect mom, perfect dad, perfect kids. We were very much the Misha's I think in this book. And so when you put this whole, when this starts coming out with Misha's family, I think that's why the book also meant a lot to us. And why we both gave it five stars is because like, there's a little piece of like us in this book a little bit. Yes. And our backgrounds. I so So agree with that, Hallie. I get lost in the whole, we read to escape our reality. Right. And so I read these great fantasy books but then that's what I love about fiction. It can also kind of slap you in the face and help you with your well, life. Well, and it is. You it's know? just like a click of reality where you're like, oh, you know. Because you, you don't feel alone. It's like, oh, no. this whole fictional character was based off something that yeah. we can relate to this. No, <laughs> when we, we didn't think that we always could. Well, and you don't think you're going to find that like in a, a smut fiction book. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? And that's so crazy. That's why I always say like you – We'll find so much in these books. Like, yes, they're spicy and they're this escape, sex, you know, sexually and everything like that. But at the same time, it's like the plots that happen in these books are some some of the most realist things I've ever read. Yeah, so I agree. <clears throat> Back on track here. He's in Emma's room and just kind of having a moment. They end up going to the principal's room. He's looking in a jewelry case, and Ryan's like, "Why the fuck are you looking on a jewelry case? Like, what's going on?" He finally tells her. That the Burroughs family has his his family family heirloom, which is a watch. And he'll tell her later, but like for right now, looking for a watch. Like we gotta get and through this. Yeah, he starts to like change the topic. And I love this part where he's like flirting and he's like, Oh, do you want to get a shower tonight? And she's like, Are you kidding? And he's like, I mean, I only need one, but I love to wipe a little scowl off your face. <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. Like, fuck, I'm breaking and entering for you, dude. Yeah, like, it's like, are you kidding? Dude, let's get like, come on. <laughs> So then they end up in Trey's room, and Misha finds a box of condoms. And, of course, like, can't help himself, starts to give Ryan shit. And is like, what do you think? Is he stocking up for prom? Again, can we let go of prom? 
Stop with prom. Can we let go of prom? And she's like, whatever. Like, you keep bringing up prom. If you're that worried about it, what might happen with condoms, maybe you should do something about it. And she finally gets kind of vulnerable here, which I loved. And she was like, ask me. Like, ask me and I'll say yes. And he just has to be an ass. I hate him in this moment. He's like, maybe tomorrow. And he does the same thing like Trey does to her. Like, he goads her and then he, like, shuts her down. Well, and it's just, like, you also have to think that's just it's just a teenage boy, too. Like, I fucking hate it, though. Like, we want to give Nisha, like, all these <sighs> gold stars. It's also, like, he is a teenage boy. That is true. He brings him back to Earth and he's realistic. He's yeah. realistic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. He is real. <laughs> <laughs> So they continue to kind of go through Trey's things, and they find some hidden pictures in a drawer, pictures of all the girls Trey has been with, and some look voluntarily taken, um, but most are girls at her high school that are naked and in various sexual poses, positions, or like mid-sex that he's taking pictures of. And there's one of Lila who's clearly voluntarily posing for Trey in the showers of the high school. Apparently that was like their place they wanted to hook up at. I don't know. This is so weird and I hate it so much. I hate, it gives me a stomach ache. <laughs> I know. And I hate it so much. Ryan has a big reaction to this. She knows that she doesn't care about Trey. She doesn't like Lila. Like she admits that. She doesn't like her. But she is upset because... It's kind of this moment where, like, she thinks she's in with this crowd and she thinks that she has – she's on the same level of them. But because they chose to, like, hide this from her and she found out, it was, like, I think kind of a way of, like, humiliating her like, on the back end of, like, she's still not in. Like, they were over here doing this and I still didn't know. And now I know. And it's it's kind of that – I think it kind of triggered her to that traumatic moment of, like, all the cool kids have their own little inside joke that I'm not in on. Well, that, and it's, like, the pictures themselves. Like, she's extremely shocked that, like, all of this is going on. Like, just that Trey is doing this. And I think it's, like, also, like, on just a, like, a female level of seeing that. And especially because some of them are not, they don't, you know, they they look involuntary. It is just, like, for her, like, a, what the, like, just a what the fuck moment. And I don't yeah. even know how I would react in seeing those things. But it just, like, I imagine it would be kind of how she is. <laughs> like she's yeah, very, it, she's very taken back. But then she also has this moment where she tells Mason, like, you know, I turned into this because I was a kid and I thought there was something more. And I traded friends that I didn't think were good enough for friends who really aren't good enough. And aren't and good people at all. No, but like, that's what she traded it for. Yeah. And she ends up kind of start crying. And she's like, you know, even Misha gave up on me. I feel for Mason here, and I wish Mason now would have, like, told her for real. Especially just with the circumstances of, like, all right, buddy. Like, come on. Yeah, she's like, I don't have any friends. Like, wow. And he's like, I'm sure Misha had a reason. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. And, like, it's really sweet. But, like, this is your time, dude. Like, this is it. <laughs> like, like, you've got two chances now. And you're right. just, like, and you're watching her go anything. through this, and it's like, come on. <laughs> And she just keeps crying. She's like, I have no friends. Like, I'm all alone. And Mason just keeps assuring her that she does have a friend. And that none of the people that she considered her friends were even worth her time. They're all losers. 
he goes on to tell her how much, you know, he, she means to him and how addicted he is to her. And he almost tells her that he loves her. He does. They don't find the watch. They're about to leave. And then Mason takes the pictures of the girls and he throws them in the principal's bedroom. Could you imagine being the mother that came home to your bedroom and you walk into all of these pictures of your son and your students? I would freak out. We're calling the cops. I feel like we're calling the cops. Yeah, like, what? So once they get back to Ryan's, Mason leaves her saying he has something else to do tonight and that he promises he'll tell her everything tomorrow. Well... Buddy, y'all shit about to get racked. <laughs> Show it. Because as Ryan goes to her room and starts to kind of look around at like all of Misha's words on her wall and how she misses him. And then she thinks about Mason and she's been writing like Mason's little notes and words that he's left for her. And so in the back of her door, she has alone, empty, fraud, shame, fear. And then she wrote, the little thing that he said in the drive-in, close your eyes, there's nothing to see here. And she kind of keeps reading these words over and over, and she realizes that they sound like lyrics. And you say it all together, Finally. it starts to rhyme. Finally. Exactly, here we go. So she goes to Google, and she Googles these, like, lyrics, these words that she thinks, and she finds the band page, Cyphercore, on YouTube. Cyphercore. Yeah. <laughs> and she watches the performance, and she sees the lead singer's Mason, like, looks like Mason. And then she goes to, like, the band page, but Misha Lair's name is listed as, like, lead singer. Dun, dun, dun. So she puts it all together, and she's distraught. I mean, she she's breaks down. Pissed. She's upset because she feels like he made a complete fool out of her, and he played her. And I think, again, it's one of those, like, fresh triggers for her of, like, her biggest trauma that she's had of like not fitting in and everyone's making fun of her and everyone has the last laugh on her and everyone's, you know, making has a joke on her. She's the outcast. It's like another fresh thing of like, he made a fool out of me. Like, what are we doing here? Well, and it's like, you have to now take everything that they've had happen to each other in context, you know, even from the very beginning of them meeting, then they do, they have the car wash, then they have the back of the truck then they've got the vibrator <laughs> and all of these things. Not only is she being lied to, she's like, I've been having sex with Misha this whole damn time. I would just be like, I would feel so stupid. I'd feel so stupid and just so light. Like, I don't even know the emotions I would feel, but I would be, I'd be, I would, I'd be distraught. So she ends up leaving her house and she grabs her sister keys and she leaves. And it's like, where are you going? We're about to find out. Misha leaves Ryan's house because he had something to do. And the something to do was to go back home. And he walks in. His house is just a mess. I mean, there's trash Not everywhere. amusement park. No, yeah. Not, Not amusement, amusement park. It's actual, like, house house. <laughs> Not Misha land. Grayson land. <laughs> Grayson land. <laughs> So he goes home and his house is a mess. His dad's there asleep. Um, he's taken, we find out that his father is on Xanax and has been on them since his mother left them when Misha was four. And we get some insight into his mother leaving them, which is kind of the first time we see this. And she's like mentioned, other yeah. than just like, hey, my mom's not here. 
It's always been about like him and his father have, you know, they're not close for these reasons. And then Annie died and that was the reason. But now we're dealing with like why his mother left. And Misha kind of just like thinking through like their past. And he's like, you know, Misha just dealt with it. His father buried himself in Annie and work and hobbies to not think about it. But Annie waited. And she always seemed to think that her mom would come back to them eventually. Um, Misha has this moment where he starts to speak to his sleeping dad and he tells him that he feels guilty about not answering Annie the night that she died and how he wishes it was him that died. And we get kind of the real core root of of confliction between his father and him. And his father blames Misha for not being there since Annie called Misha, not him. But Misha blames his dad for pushing Annie too much and not convincing her that their mother was never going to come back. If he did, then she might have not destroyed her body, trying to be perfect and perfect athlete, perfect kid. And then her body may not have given up on her and she wouldn't have died. And then he even goes on and says, and maybe if my dad hadn't popped Xanax when it was convenient, then maybe Annie would have never gotten the idea and we get the reason of why Annie died. To put herself on amphetamines and give to give herself a boost and do more than she could handle, which is why she then had a heart attack and she died. And Misha decides that even though his dad and him will never have a relationship like Annie had with her dad, they're all that's left. Like it's all they have. And yeah, it's just them. Annie is in his father, Annie's in him, and Annie's in this house, and they are family in the day, so they have to stay that way for Annie. Which, at a, like, a 17-year-old boy, like, realizing this stuff is just so, like, sweet as well, because it's like, he wants to try. I think, you know, yes, he's he went away to Mason Land and lived in an amusement park and had all these things going and, like, these things, but you do see, like, there is a glimmer of hope here for this family but even what he's doing now it all leads back to annie and him and even his dad like he's trying to get answers for everything that's happened in his life and i don't know i remember when i first started the book like i didn't know that this is where it was going to go like i remember even though i thought this book was predictable in the sense especially where ryan was concerned i thought it was predictable i think if she had just left it through ryan's point of view I would have been a lot more shocked because we would have experienced the book through Ryan's point of view. And we would have actually experienced the confusion that Ryan was having. And like, would we really have like picked up on things if we didn't have Misha's point of view? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But it also probably wouldn't have been such a good book. Cause I will say like the last couple chapters of this book, when the plot really just starts to lay out in front of you and you get all these answers, like there were, when I, like, and we'll get there, but when the confrontation of everything in the office, I was just like, holy yeah. shit. I think, I think with what Misha's struggles are in this book and his story, you have to have his point of view. Oh, yeah. Because Ryan didn't go through that. It's like, I, I think it did. I think for everyone out there that came from a similar background of Misha, with their parenting, it did his story justice to come from his point of view. Yes. Versus from a character that didn't have the upbringing and like trying to third party it. I think the people that actually can relate to Misha's story, like appreciate it more from his point of view, like I did. 
But then later he returns to the theme park and finds his room destroyed. All the letters he sent Ryan are on the floor. On his wall, Ryan has written in black spray paint, you trick me, watch your back. Wait and see. She is not happy. And the letters that he saved from her are all gone. Like his, he like had a collect, he saved all of them. But he had this, like, one folder that was, like, his favorites of her that he brought with her to Misha Land, Mason Land. And they're all gone. And he's, like, terrified that she destroyed them. It's just, like, everything is flaring up in this kid's face. Like, it's, like... And, like, bum, bum, bum. She found it out, bitch. So what does he do? He runs to Ryan's house. He climbs into her room. Let me set the scene for you. Pitch black room. The song True Friends is playing, and he finds her on the ground in the corner of her room in a ball crying. And when he enters her room, like, she's immediately angry, and she's like, get the fuck out. Rightfully so. Yeah, of course. And, like, the first thing he says to her, like, he goes, where are the letters? Um, you can give me an apology or, Or an explanation or just, like, what we're doing. Yeah. (laughs) She tells him to get fucked and that she burned them. Yeah, she didn't, but I love she that she's just like, get fucked. Like, excuse me. And Misha starts hitting the wall. And this is where, like, this scene starts to, like, break me in this moment. Because they're both not wrong. They both have, like, ground to stand on here. Right. They are both wrong but i think in this point ryan has the upper hand i don't know but i i see i see i see your opinion i'm acknowledging it i appreciate your thanks <laughs> let's me continue <laughs> i am go ahead have your time so let's get through it and then we'll discuss who we think i agree go okay cool so i don't give a shit you belong me more than you ever to them. So Ryan's was, of course, crying. And she's just, like, in freak out mode. Like, how could you do this? I'm supposed to be able to trust you. Uh, you ruined everything. And he finally kind of, like, abrupts. And he's like, I didn't come to Falcon's well for you. But believe me, I'm not sorry. What a waste of time you were all these years. Now I know. I mean, out. Like that just hurts. Again, it's like a movie. Okay, you can talk now. Just like don't. Guys, she's being petty, guys. I'm not being petty. You should, I'm gonna giving... like maybe maybe one day we'll upload our FaceTime stream. But like sometimes Taylor gives me these looks, and I'm just like, okay, I get it. <laughs> no, I just think like, okay, she was being what she wanted to be in those letters, which was truly her. We're getting that. We're getting. I have the whole transcript. I know. I'm just <laughs> telling you that where I think he he is. I don't think you're going to turn me, even if we get through this. This was like horrible for him to say. Ryan has to cry again, and he's like, "We were perfect for each other until we met." This is inner his inner monologue. I love this line. We actually have this on our Instagram page. We were perfect for each other until we met. I love that line. 
And he says, like, he realizes now that she is trying to hold on to a pain that she's trying to shield for me. And there's so much more to her than was what was in her letters. And so much in her letters that she let me see and no one else. But he wants it all. I just... Come on! Hallie, you can you can juice me up with words all day. Your actions speak louder. And again, <sighs> yes, she was a little shit. Yeah, she's a brat in high school. She's a little cheerleader girl. Whatever, whatever. All the things she may have could have been more honest with him, but she was trying to be this true person within herself and she was growing up in these letters with him and I'm not saying that she gets to be right for being a little asshole in school I'm not but you have to realize on her spectrum of it he's been sitting here this whole time ragging on her saying you're not being your true self you're not being your true self you're not being your true self and then she finally tries to be her true self and then you've got Mason now saying that he's Misha, well, not not saying it, but getting he don't date like, back. Yeah, he's getting <laughs> caught, and you know we can't say this is just like a year of pen pals. Like they were in fifth grade, and now they're in high school. That is so. No, I, long. I see what you're saying. This just came to me, and I'm arguing myself now. I'm I'm on your side now. Thank you. Even when like Ryan was like blurring the lines, I'm not going to say Ryan ever like flat out lied to him. Because I don't think that she ever, like, flat out lied to him. Like, no, she hid certain parts that were, like, the what she considered the ugly parts from him. But everything that she gave him was really her. was a form of truth. Well, I think it was really her. To me, to Misha. Yeah. Now, Mason's different. But she doesn't know that Mason is Misha. So, like, how – I get what you're saying now. I get what right. you're saying now. And even if, like, okay, we push it back to the Mason spectrum of it, and she's not being every. She was being everything to Mason, though. Maybe to Misha. So you have to think, when she still thought it was Mason, she's growing in this, what, two-month relationship with Mason? And then you have, she figures out that it's actually Misha. What a, what a stab in the back. Like, I think with Misha, she never lied. Exactly. With Mason, she lied about who she was, but they also only knew each other, like you said, like a month or two. So, like, what does she owe him? Exactly. But also, second of all, Mason was the only one that she, anytime he was around, she did show herself with him, though. Like, she stood up in front of her friend. She slapped his head on the table and wrote in the back of his neck. She wasn't afraid to, like, step out of this, like, comfort zone. And, like, just yeah. being around Mason, like, standing up to Lila towards, like, right before this, she was, like, starting to kind of give Lila some shit. Like, she definitely was, like, on her way there. We want to put, like, squares to squares. It wasn't her putting her square out there being like, okay, this is fully me, and him being like, okay, this is fully me. Like, if he was playing the cards correctly the whole time and, like, told her up front, like, he had all these chances to do it and he didn't because he was afraid and scared and whatever. But he also likes the game, too. You're mad at Ryan for not showing her true self, but really, Misha, this whole time, you haven't been your true self. So now you're barging into her room, upset, where are my letters, which again shows his lack of emotional, like, maturity. He is not respecting her boundaries. 
she kind of like goes into him and she's like, you know, we were perfect for each other until we met, blah, blah, blah. And he won't leave. And so she starts to call him selfish and how he never thought of her and how, you know, was I ever really real to you? Because like, if I was real this? to you, then you wouldn't lie to me like this and do what you've been doing. So he takes off his shirt and he shows her all of his tattoos. And it's the first time the reader with Ryan gets to kind of see these tattoos. And basically every tattoo has something to do with Ryan and the letters. And he ends up telling her, like, after she looks at him, like, you were the only thing that was real to me. Then she's kind of like Misha. Like, she kind of finally realizes that Mason, the person in front of her, is Misha. Like, yeah. fully can wrap her head around. Like that. And I think, you know, she's like, she had these visions of everything going on and everything they've experienced together as he is Mason. And then now she she she's like grasping, like, oh, you're real. You're not just the letters. You're not just Mason. You're you're Misha. Like, this is it. So they're kind of in the middle of the argument. And she finds his, his tattoos and realizes for the first moment that like Mason is Misha. Misha is Mason. And it allows Misha now, Misha from here on out, it allows Misha to have a moment to explain himself. I love the realness of this conversation. Like when you start reading, like especially Misha's part, like he kind of goes into like, I wanted to resist you and then I couldn't and then I needed you. And then he kind of stops mid-sentence and he kind of like switches track. Basically the whole point of his thing is like, I had my plan. I knew I would see you, but I didn't think it would be this way. But then I, long story short of what he's saying is like, I saw you and I interacted with you and I just couldn't stop. Like you, I was just drawn to you. And the way that you were acting was never the way I thought you would act. And it was like, even if we'd never been pen pals, we'd still find each other. Like they were meant to And Ryan's just like, why did you not tell me? Like at any time you could have been like, hey, I'm Misha. And she shakes her head. Like she shakes her (laughs) hand in front of his face. Like, I kissed you. I went to bed with you. And I get what she's saying here. Like I had sex with you. Like I was intimate with you and you never, ever told me. And you've been right here. And it's like, once again, like it's almost Ryan's worst nightmares coming to fruition with the one person that she didn't think it would ever happen with. Because it's like, I can imagine that moment. You're like, the joke's on me. Like you knew the whole time and I didn't. And I had sex with you. Like, I bet you had a great laugh about that. Yeah. Like she still thinks it's a joke. So then Misha like responds, like, I had no reason to tell you. I didn't even know if I liked you the first day. He he just keeps going. Like, Misha's calling Ryan out. And Ryan's just like, you know, I lied about the people in my life, but I never lied about, like, who I was. Like, in those letters, and it's what you said earlier, like, I was who I was. Like, the only time I've ever been able to be the person that, I wanted to be. And I shared it with you. I mean, this scene to me was heartbreaking. It just, for both of them, it it was heartbreaking. Misha is kind of like one last standing point that he has is, you know, you would write me and tell me to stand up for, for myself, stand up for myself against my father who like didn't understand. Cause we already know that, Misha was kind of this, like, rock star kid, like, wanted tattoos and being a band. And his dad was just like, no, like, didn't understand that. Called him, you know, a punk for it. 
you know, you encourage, you always encourage me and advise me to do these things that you wouldn't do for yourself. I don't understand that part. And Ryan finally goes, well, because you want good things to the people you love. So he tries to tell her that he loves her too. And I actually, this like moment actually kind of gutted me. He like says, I love you too. And she ends up like interrupting him and it's just like, please, Jesus, stop. Like, get out. Well, like, it's like at this point. You were not going to tell me right now that you love me after all of this. Like, please get out. And I could relate to her in this moment of just being like, this is too fucking crazy. Well, it's just no. too much. Like, we're not now going to drop L-bombs and me be able to process that correctly. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So he finally leaves, but he vows not to go anywhere until she is his. Yeah, Misha. This kind of gave Misha. me like a... This gave me like a sour puss on him for a couple. Well, like chapters. the next chapter, he like totally goes back on his words. Like whatever. I know. Next day at school, Ryan's not doing too good, and I've been here. I don't know if you've been here, but I've been here in high school. Of like, she's walking down the hall. She has no makeup on. She's wearing a hat, and like just to make it important, Ryan grew up being like the it girl. Like she. Always had her hair done, her makeup done, and like her chilling uniform on. And now she's like going to school of like I picture Sam from Cinderella Story, Hillary Duff, yes, like the baseball cap. And like, do you remember? Actually, this entire scene reminds me of like whenever it all came out. Like Austin Ames was like her boy, and everyone's making fun of her, and she's like walking down with her hat on, and she's like crying in the middle of the school. Like this is what I imagine. Yeah, that's what she was. <laughs> She's just not okay. (laughs) But when she shows up at school, like, she literally, like, cannot stop crying. And she sees Misha spent the weekend at the school writing notes on the walls. Like, And we have some Eminem lyrics. We have everything was real. We have I didn't mean to lie, but I meant every kiss. And Ten's, like, asking her if she's okay. But she's, of course, she's kind of, like, shut down in this moment. She's kind of just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm done. Like, we're done. Right on the walls, buddy. I don't care. I need to get it over with. So she finally makes it to art class. She looks through the window. And, of course, Misha's there. And when she's walking down the aisle, Manny slams into her accidentally and, like, throws orange paint on her. And she immediately reacts poorly. And she's very mean to Manny about running into her. But also, like, she's having a fucking tough day, okay? Like, she is, but... This is not a bully moment to me. This was just, like, no. a, I'm fucking done, and, like, Jesus Christ. It's, it's literally when your belt loop gets hooked into the doorknob. This happens to me every so single time I've yes. it, it literally uh, happens to me It just all is the personal. Time. It is, and it just, like, you know, it, she probably wouldn't have, like, any other day. She'd probably like, Manny, come on, dude. But, like, right now, she's just, like, every emotion is, like... Hi. <laughs> so she like reacts. She goes to find her seat. And I really don't like Misha in this moment because he comes up next to her and she doesn't even look at him. She was just like, Yeah, I know, I'm a vile bitch, right? Like, what else do you got for me? Like, I'm she, she's, she's so defeated expecting, in this yeah. scene. She's like, I just don't even care what you have to say. And his response, like a part of me loves him for it. Because it's kind of like this tough love stance, which I grew up with tough love. So did you. Like, yeah. 
pull yourself up and like you still got it. So a part of me like thought it was really sweet, but another part of me is just like, are you serious? You're like, the can you just give me a fucking break? Yeah, like you caused this. And he says, no, just weak and stupid. And I'd tear you apart in front of this whole school if I wasn't so sure you already felt like a pile of shit inside. Oh, see, this is, I'm telling you, this is when I was like, I hate But you, I have dude. two conflicting emotions here because a part of me is just like, okay, can you stop? Like, we get it. The second part of me is it shows a lot of growth from the first time we met them in art class. Of, yeah. Or the first part, like, he was in school of, like, he didn't give a shit. Like, he just went for it and didn't give a crap of how he embarrassed her and he tried to embarrass her. And here he's at least – he's always going to be the mirror for her. But he's also at the same time, like, acknowledging – I know you feel like shit and I see it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to add to it. I like think you kind of did at the same time. It's, it's this weird thing. No, I think you're right in a way now that like, you know, you're saying it, we're talking about it. I think, you know, I, I don't know how his actual tone was coming across. I mean, I read it as like being him being a jerk, but he honestly could have been like, no, you're just weak and stupid, and I know you feel like shit. You know what I mean? Like, I think if it wasn't and- for the second part of the quote, I would have been like, fuck you. Yeah, because you're, you know, her, him still being like, you went through all this and you're still reacting on Manny. Like, come on, yeah. you're being weak and stupid, but I know you feel like shit. So, actually, but you're it's right. kind of nice that he says these things because she kind of starts to have this like reckoning within herself in this art class. And, even though she has already had this, like, shame and, like, projection of herself of what she thinks she is, she's, like, actually starting to take responsibility for her actions of what she's done in the past. She starts to think about how she lashed out at Manny because he's an easy target, because he's weaker than me, because he's the only thing weaker than me. And everyone else sees through me. Misha's disgusted by me, and he hates me. And she begins, again, to, like, responsibility for her actions from the past and look at who she is at the core and based on her actions the way she treats those around her she's not happy with herself like she's like i created no. this like i did this to myself over the way i acted and it ends up leading her to running out of the room completely sobbing so later at lunch lila comes to ryan and asks her why she wasn't at practice that morning everyone's talking about she had a breakdown in art class and she is just disgusted at ryan her behavior she continues, just rambled to Ryan about the weekend, how Trey got into trouble, how Ryan wasn't around. And Ryan eventually snapped and tells Lila she doesn't care. And she is sick of Lila and her behavior and to leave her the fuck alone. Which I love because it's like her first time being like really sticking up for herself and being like, dude, you don't care about me actually anyway. So why are we doing this? Again, that is like Misha's influence though, I'm telling you. So then I love this. This mom with Lila in the lunchroom, like Misha's friend, the mohawk, pierced, tatted guy, comes over to them and asks Lila, hey, baby, want to fuck? Ryan's like, what the fuck is going on? But it's kind of Misha's way of like telling his friends, like, look out for her. And he kind of comes over to like diffuse the situation and like have Ryan's back. Right, because it does, like, it catches Lila, like, oh, my God, why would you ever? Yeah, Ryan's like, what? So then she, like, continues the lunch line. Misha finally comes up to her and is, like, trying to talk to her and apologize and telling her how, you know, much she means to him. 
And Ryan's kind of this moment where she tells Misha, like, you broke my heart. Like, I don't see Misha anymore. And I look at you. You kind of tainted everything. Like, you tainted the history of what we had. And, like, sooner or later, I'm not even going to remember, like, being friends with you. Like, that's how much damage you've done. Right. Like, this will just be just a, as Matthew McConaughey says, like a blimp in the wind. <laughs> Literally. Like, she, it's kind of like a really harsh thing, like, she's saying. And she goes to her table with her friends where Trey's telling them he's going to have a party. And she says she will be there. So Ryan and Tinge at Betray's party. Let me just set the scene. They are taking tequila body. He is taking tequila body shots of Ryan. And they are dancing to Dirty Little Secrets. Can we just what? live for a moment for Dirty Little Secrets? I can't This was actually high school. Not the warehouse. Fuck that shit. Yes. This was actually a high school party. So they are just in high school heaven. Misha is now back uh, back at band rehearsal. He has now joined the band again. He's rehearsing. He ends up taking a break from band rehearsal and going to his Facebook and sees on Ryan's page that Tin is doing body shots off of Ryan. So what does he do? He, he grabs up. his bros and he rolls up to Trace to get his girl. He's going to get his girl. I love this her. quote. She says, she wants to party? Fine. She wants some space? Okay. But going anywhere near that asshole or being entertainment for some horny little shit who wants to touch her is pushing her too far. Ryan doesn't do fucking body shots. She's trying to piss me off and it's working. Well, you know what, Misha? Yes. Good for you. Kind of deserve they it. Go get your girl. <laughs> Go get your girl. But it's I like toast to Ryan in this moment. Like, yes, bitch. Cheers, my you. girl. <laughs> you get that boy back. <laughs> I love it. Yes, honey. Yes. <laughs> he pulled at the party. Bad girlfriend is playing. He storms in to find Ryan. Trey enters the chat. He starts to go to Misha, of course, calling Ryan a little cock tease. And now he's finally, he can't wait to have a turn with Ryan. So what happens? Of course, a bro fight breaks out. Which I love. I just do. Fight. I mean, fight. he deserves fight. it. Like, he deserves all the ass whippings in the world. Yes. And in the middle of their fight, Misha finds that he's wearing the family's watch. And then we realize this is what he's been after. And he's just like in his inner monologue. He's like, she would never give that to him. And we're like, who's she? Who's she? Who's she? When you read this, did you know who she was? Because I did not. No, I know. I was totally shocked. I'm telling you, like who she was. When we were revealed, it was revealed to us, I was like, I think I texted you because I knew we were going to talk about it, but I just went, oh, my God. Oh, my you God. You did. You were like, that was actually, like, the biggest twist. I did not see that coming at yes, the end. I did not see it coming. The cops get called. So he ends up giving the watch and his car keys to his friend Dane, who's there. And he's like, go get my truck and, like, get everyone out of here and just, like, leave. The, cop, the cops end up getting there and Trey's like, he stole something from me. Blah, blah, blah. And Misha, like, just won't give them any information. Not his name, not his address, not anything. So they like end up arresting him. An hour later at the jail, Ryan shows up and asks why Trey had his watch. And, of course, he's being stubborn and silent and won't tell her anything. And then the biggest crossover, which you will eventually enjoy, Taylor, because you're in the middle of Devil's Night. 
there is a Devil's Night crossover here. If you've never read the Devil's Night series from Penelope Douglas, you should go read it because it's very, very all the boys you meet in this scene, it's about their story in her books. It's so good. And it's so good. My favorite series. Misha is cousins with Will Grayson. And they are both grandsons of Senator Grayson, who is this huge, prominent family. And his family name Again, ultimately Misha's rich, rich, like rich, rich. rich. Let's not forget <laughs> this, like family name and Will Grayson showing up ultimately gets Misha off the hook, and he has to leave jail. So Ryan goes to leave jail, but Will ain't done with her yet. He stops her, and they just keep going at it at her car. And he's just like, stop. Uh, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to say that I fucked up? Like, I'm sorry. And he's just kind of like sick of her defiance and how she won't give him a chance. And like, all he wants is for her to just say, like, please just say you miss me. Like, I'm done with this. I want to be with you. I'm done. Yeah. Just start to argue. Something. Yes. Like, they start to argue. And Ryan says she hates him. And Misha's like, bullshit. You love me. And I love you. And she slaps the shit out of him. I love it. Which just brings you back to, like, their prime beginning. Just like, Jesus Christ. And she's like, don't say that. And she kind of starts to bring up Mason because she contributes Mason with, like, Mason doesn't love me. Mason's not good to me. Mason just, like, makes me feel good. And it's kind of this, like, meaning of, like, I just want to fuck you and nothing else. I'm kind of, like, rejecting Misha at this point, like, the actual emotional point of our relationship. Well, and I think Misha, again, is her mirror. It makes her, like, Mason was more of, I feel like, a game. Like, yeah, she was developing feelings for him, but that was a game. But now it's Misha, and then she's battling with this, like, again, you're just watching, like, psychologically her brain try to put two and two together, and it's super sad. Like, it's just sad because she's, like, psychologically battling this yeah but you know Misha plays along and (laughs) he's just like yeah is that what you want all right sunshine strips her naked in the parking lot pulls her in the police station parking lot (laughs) which is like what throws her in the truck and I mean just hot angry Hate sex. Hate sex. Erupts. What I will say, hate sex is fun. He's like, she is riding him dust till dawn. She is. Okay. Doing the things that she wants to do. She's in control. Yes. And he's like, say my name. Because he wants to hear Misha. Who's fucking you right now? And she's like, um, actually, I'm fucking you. And I don't really care whose dick it is. She's like, it's, it's, this is my show. Boom. <laughs> Honey. And he's like, that's bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. And I also like, love the like, banter they have. I don't really give a shit who it is. Maybe, maybe someone from that party I was going to take home and fuck. And he's like, oh, were you going to be bad? Show me how bad. And that's, like, I just have to say, like, the lung capacity they have for these conversations during sex, I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, they have monologues during sex, and I'm like, oh, God, you guys are athletic. You guys are really equipped to have The this lung talk. capacity, I love that. <laughs> the lung capacity of it all. <laughs> After they have sex, they have this conversation about how Ryan wishes 
they met a long time ago. And Misha says that he knows her and he brings up how she wrote him about the first and only other time she had had sex before. And it was because her friends pressured into having sex with someone. It was like an awful experience. And he was so jealous. And after that, she like waited for him. Like, this is like a good moment. No, it is. Like, they're finally coming out of the bullshit. Like, I will say. This was me. Like, I was like, all right. All right. They're both. We're turning down the same road. Okay. We're on the same page here. And I want everything about you, Ryan. And I know you want me. But, of course, we have to slide in Eminem reference. (laughs) But I love the way you lie. Chapter 18. The next day at school, Ryan comes up to Lila in the locker room and realizes her friends have turned on her. Just, I hate these two Typical girls. high school, like, way. Like, well, it's just such did the bullshit. janitors clean last night? I smell skank. Oh, do you? It's like That's probably the, your vagina, the, Lila. <laughs> <laughs> like, please. Because <laughs> it is. It's so, like, uh, I hated these types of girls in school. Like, even, like, in other schools. Like, we didn't have a ton of those, like, in our own school. But, like, when we would just hear bullshit from other schools, I'd just be like, someone slap the fuck out of her. They go on to call her fat and make jokes about her weight. They talk about how JD got a limo for prom and how prom's going to be epic because Ryan won't be there to stink up the car. Like, <laughs> are you kidding? Fuck off. It was such a just, like, fuck you scene. Ugh. So that continues like that. And Ryan's realizing that she's back to being the outcast. And in her inner monologue, she's like, I've been here before. The uncertainty, the self-hate, the powerlessness, also familiar. But the last time I took those feelings and turned them outward, making others feel what I felt, what I didn't see is that those feelings came from people doing the same thing to me. She's having and she vows that she's going to be better now. And I think it's like this moment of like self-growth. That's what I was about to say. It's super self-growth. Like she is really seeing like, and this hits everybody in high school. I think when you're like, this shit doesn't matter anymore. So then Trey comes up to her at lunch and basically calls her like a dirty whore. Long story short. Trey also, fuck you. Why are you like, even allowed off. back onto the school grounds? Which is so Ugh. annoying to me. It's so nasty. She goes to sit alone at a table in the lunchroom. So sad. Girl, avoid the lunchroom. I told you, go to the library. It's fine. <laughs> go squirrel. Go. <laughs> and Lila comes up to her and tells Ryan no one wants her in here and that she can't even look at her. Then she pours juice all over Ryan. She's just like ugh, such a twat. And Ryan's like, oh, fuck no. And they start to get into a girl fight in the lunchroom. Girl fight? And Misha comes up to protect her, saying that if they want her, they're going to have to go through him. Mm. There he is. There's our boy. Mm. There's our boy. Honey. I did love that one. He, like, stands up for her because he knows, like, he could be a dick. But just, like, lowest of the low, he is there for her, which is my favorite. This is actually one of my favorite scenes. Everything's about to happen. Because she's finally, like, doing and having the strength to do what she needs to do that, like, Misha has always known that, like, that's who she is. Like, she's not going to lie down and let these people do these things to her. She's finally standing up. And so he comes to protect her, and Trey gets involved. Misha punches him. The principal comes out to break it up. And Misha's just like, fuck off all of you. Stay away from her. 
Principal's like, let me see you in my office. And he's like, nah, bitch. He takes Ryan to the bathroom, cleans her up. I'm telling you, this scene's my favorite. And then, like, takes her away from school. Like, nope, we're leaving. Like, we're done Ends here. up, like, driving her around, like, listening to music. She can calm down. And he ends up taking her back to his house. Not Misha Land, but his house. <laughs> Grayson Land. Yeah. And he makes her peanut butter and jelly. He lets her shower. He washes her clothes. I do love this scene so much. Like I'm saying, I just, I love it so much because it takes you back to like this kid moment. He makes her PB&J, which is just I like, love that. It's such a comfort food, even though it's just so simple. And, and he has like juice boxes for her. Yes. It's just sweet. So she ends up going to his room and she finds boxes filled with the letters that she sent him over the years. He saved every single one. And she comments how she can't believe she wrote him so much. She must have been so bored with me. And he responds, I adored you. That's my favorite compliment. Jesus Christ. That is when someone says they adore you, it is my like, and I go out because I love it so much. I go out of my way when people do things or like any of my patients or anything I always say you I adore you because it's it's so true so as they're like having this little conversation she tells him that she didn't burn his favorite letters that she stole they're in her desk so big, saved on that one big relief and then she ends up telling him about Delilah and she only had one friend in grade school Delilah but Ryan got tired of not being the popular crowd and feeling left out and laughed at. So she thought Delilah was like holding her back because Delilah in her mind, like didn't dress right. And she was an oddball. Yeah. And even though it was like Ryan's only friend that ever befriended her when no one else would, she decided that she needed better friends and Delilah was holding her back. So one day at recess, she like hides from Delilah thinking that Delilah will forget about her and, like, go find some other friends. But she doesn't. Delilah, like, stays by the wall and, like, all awkward. And she's waiting for Ryan to come find her. And she tells Misha, that was the day I became this, when I started to believe that 100 people's fickle adoration was worth more than one person's love. And, like, (sighs) when you find your friend... Like when you're in elementary school or middle school or even high school, that really gets you. And in the moment they like aren't there, it is just so heartbreaking. It is the most shattering thing. It really is. And that scene where she's like talking about Delilah, I just like, oh, I connected with it so well. I know. I was Me too. such a little oddball in my, like in elementary school and things like that. And it was like I had frizzy hair and I was just different and weird and funny and just like was so had such a big personality that a lot of people like just were like, oh, Taylor's too much. Even as a like grade school, they'd be like, oh, Taylor. So I just ugh, I connected hard on that. I know. And like as she grew up, she like kept seeing the friends that she had made like make fun of Delilah and she would never stop it. And how she always like hated being in her own skin because she allowed those things to happen to like her only friend that accepted her for exactly who she was. And so you get the root of this trauma of where and this the shame is coming from the shame that she carries. Like she is so full of shame. Like she doesn't even want Misha to like look or like touch her at this point. Like she's just like, don't like, I'm so grossed out with myself and disgusted with who I am. But Misha assures her that, You were a kid. Like, you were in fourth grade. 
And like, yeah, you didn't really know any better. Everyone has those feelings. Like everyone does. And I love this quote that he says, like, we're all ugly, Ryan. The only difference is some hide it and some wear it. Which is just, ooh, that. It's like, so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I resonate with that, like, in my adult life. Like, you I just, know. Well, where you're like ugly. The, it's the sentence that, like, sums up him and Ryan. Like, he's not afraid to wear it. Like, he will nope. wear it and with pride. And Ryan's just not there yet. I mean, she still wants to hide it. And I don't think it makes it wrong. I think it's just a choice of survival in that moment and that age of like you're doing the best you can and it doesn't always mean it's right but I think you're just in that survival mode of like I'm I'm trying like I don't know what else to do right and it's like you know we said in like part one in her mind it's better to just have friends and go with the flow of the situation than try to stand outside of it and then you finally get this scene where she's like all right, you know, the first time I did stand out of it today in high school, I get juice thrown on me like shit. <laughs> so, yeah, seriously. It's a lot. So then, like, Misha asks why she signs her messages as punk, and it's for him. He one time wrote her a letter about how he wanted a tattoo, and his dad said he would look like a punk. And she said it was a tribute to you, and it was a shout-out to all the rule breakers. Fuck Yeah. This is so sweet. And Misha kind of then schools her on a psychological level because he kind of dives into why she is anonymous. And he's like, you want to be loved without risking consequence. So you reach out to get attention you need while enjoying the luxury of taking no responsibility for the words that you're speaking. And he starts to recite the words that he's given her, like alone, empty, fraud, shame, fear. And he says, don't you get it? You don't have to be afraid or embarrassed. No one does you better than you. You can't be replaced. And if you are going through some shit and you're reading this book, like, man. It speaks to you, honey. On all aspects of level. God, I'm I'm listening to you talk right now and I'm just like, oh, man. It's just such a, like, emotional learning experience book where you're like, I just got to be me. I just got to wear my ugly and be a weirdo and thrive And if people don't it. like it, they don't like it. They're not worth your time. Well, and it's also like it speaks volumes. Like I think like even when you join this book community that we didn't even notice. Like the, everyone is just so giving and accepting and all these things. And you're like, there are people in this world that do this. Take note. Like literally write it down and be a part of it because these are the people that you want to surround yourself with. Even when we don't even meet our listeners, our followers, anything like that, we're so grateful for them. But I do, I don't even think like not to get emotional, but it does. It's like, it just having this moment of like, I can be me and it's fine. You know, I can let, you'll listen to me for two hours on this podcast and this is me. Well, it is like one of those things that like, especially in the past year, I think like book talk and things, I think it's just like been shoved in everyone's faces of like, this is actually a thing. Um, It's been a thing for a while, but I think people like noticed it finally. And you have all of these people that are like shaming us for like reading these types of books. It's like, I don't really give a shit because there are plenty of other people out there that enjoy what I enjoy. And it's not something to be shamed about. Like it's not harming you. So why do you care? Like, so leave me alone. So they end up like falling asleep and Ryan wakes up. It's raining outside. Here we go with the anal scene. 
Oh, God. You have to talk through it. You know how I feel about this. Ryan <laughs> wakes up to Misha, who is, like, near her butt. <laughs> he starts, like, writing on her skin. But, like, I love this because, like, that's his thing. Like, he writes on things. They write on things. And he's, like, you're the only thing I have to write on. He's, like, writing, like, love things on her. And I'm, like, this is so sweet. <laughs> this isn't weird at all, but go ahead. <laughs> I don't think it's weird. <laughs> but, like, he's near, he's near her butt. And, like, I guess the topic of, like, anal comes up. And they're both anal versions. And Ryan's, like, nope, I'm going to say a version. You're not sticking that up in there. <laughs> Leave me alone. This exit only. <laughs> But then they kind of like start to get into it. And in and the moment, I hate this because he's like, talk to me. She's like, talk now? What do you <laughs> and I'm like, that's so real. I'll be like, what? What? What, do you, what do you want me to say? I'm trying okay. to enjoy this. You're adding pressure. It's not even trying to enjoy. It's trying to just get, for me, it would be get through it. So like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She resorts back to her letters that she writes him and starts telling her like, the favorite parts of like all the letters that he wrote him. And her favorite part is when he wrote her about breaking up with his girlfriend because she didn't know he had a girlfriend. And it was the first time she was ever jealous. And that was when she knew she wanted him and that he, he was hers. And he was like, I was yours. <laughs> That's why I left her. You. <laughs> <laughs> my heart <laughs> so then she starts telling him about all things that she's fantasized about him and <laughs> sticks it in her butt again I wish it was like Taylor's face that she's giving me right now I just God, this is like I just haven't had a great experience. You can go back into episode one and hear all about it. But I just and so they decide to do anal. He does sticks it in her butt, and and she like immediately loves it. Like no question about it. Which to me, I'm like, I just don't find realistic. It's not. <laughs> but like, I really whatever. don't. I Even like, if you eventually like, I feel like you have to grow to love it. I don't think the first time you do it is going to be like. <gasps> uh, that was this is perfect. it. And maybe it is. And if it is, listeners, please come and tell us that. Maybe please like tell said, me. But like, are... uh, no, you have to prep for that. Like, again, <laughs> shit on a dick. Okay. <laughs> like, we're gonna bring it back. Nightmare. <laughs> I will say that the anal scene though was very emotional. It was their first like real like love moment. I think of like it was beautifully whoa. written. I will give it. I will give. Penelope that it's beautifully written I have my own issues inside my own brain that I have to work through and I'm sorry I inflict this on this podcast but I'm just saying it is beautifully written so the next morning at school Ryan and Misha are being all cute and cuddly in the hallway and their art teacher comes over to let Mason know that the principal wants to see him in her office but of course Misha being the bad boy he is so it's like, nah, not going. So they continue to kind of talk at Ryan's locker, and she asks him about this scarf. Like, whose scarf did you give me that first week of school? And he's like, oh, it was Annie's. So, of course, Ryan just feels like a piece of shit. She's like, oh, okay, well, I suck. I'm a bitch. <laughs> exactly. But she ends up saying, like, well, you couldn't have given me that scarf anyway because she would want it back. 
And we find out that she hasn't put together yet that Annie is Anastasia Grayson, who died. So she, she still thinks Annie's alive. Which is just like, when I read that, I just, it was just so like, she knows nothing about really Misha's life. Like she, like they communicated through these letters and all this stuff, but they really don't know each other at all. And it's like, you've just had this big scene where like you came clean about everything. But I, I don't know. Like, what, what do you do after that? Like, we have anal, we, have, we come clean, and then, hey, just so you know, my sister is Anastasia Grayson, and she passed away. Like, I don't actually, I don't know, Hallie. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I have so many questions, but they're interrupted. He can't really respond because they're interrupted because the principal herself comes down the hallway and tells him to get in her office. He tells her to fuck off and <laughs> leaves Ryan at school. He pieces out. And Ryan's just like, what is going on? And now, now she realizes, oh, he never answered those questions I had about why he's here and why Trey had his watch and why he's living at the Cove. Ding dong. Here you are. (laughs) Here are your answers. I'm glad we've now remembered the whole point of what's going on again. Great, Ryan. Great. Awesome. So later that day, everyone's heading to lunch. And even though Ryan knows she should go to the cafeteria and be brave enough to face her classmates, she doesn't. She wimps out. Big, big. Whatever. So she's hanging out in the hallway and she sees Trey coming out of the bathroom holding like a black necklace that she knows is Manny's and he's throwing it away. And Trey sees her, sees her in the hallway, comes up to her, throws her against the wall, basically attacks her. Threatens to rape her. I hate this boy. Um, I hate this boy so much. Oh, my God. And then, like, yeah, how are like, you still at school? Like, you exactly. know what I mean? Like, the pictures were thrown in the principal's room, your stepmother's room, and you're still at school? Like, how? It says so much. Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah, he says really horrible things to her saying how like she asked for it and it was all her fault that he wanted to be with her and she let him on. And basically she better watch her back because from here on out, now that Misha has gone is he's going to be there watching and waiting to attack her at any given moment. So she's terrified. (laughs) Yeah. She's disgusting. Yeah. So after he leaves her, she goes to the bathroom uh, where Trey came out of a check on, she, um, you know, she knows it has to be Manny because she saw the necklace. So she goes in to check and see if Manny's in there. And she finds Manny crying and he's bleeding because Trey ripped his gauge out of his ear. This poor little boy. I'm poor just Manny. like, ugh. So, I hate boys. I know. So she goes over to kind of console him. But Manny kind of just doesn't trust her at all. And he shouldn't because – and Ryan knows this. She feels guilty because she was – one that always bullied him or allowed her friends to and never said anything. So, like, why is he going to trust you now when you're trying to be there for him, you know? Right. Like, is this another ploy? Exactly. And so she feels really guilty and she eventually tells him, you know, it won't always be like this. And Manny confides that even though he's always been bullied, it was easier when he was younger because he could go home and escape it. But now with social media, he just has to relive it over and over and over And it makes this humiliation and this embarrassment just constant in his life. So he escapes by 
getting high on inhalants. Which I don't even know, like, where do you even, like, purchase? How do you purchase? I mean, I don't know. These I know are questions about drugs, I, but I don't know much about inhalants. I, I don't either. Say. It reminds me of, like, maybe when I read this, I thought, like, whippets. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought was whippets, just because, like, people were dumb in college, but whippets. That's what I thought. Yeah, and so he ends up, like, going to do it, like, right in front of her. Like, whips out this, like, can and, like, rag. And Ryan's like, what the fuck? And, like, stops him. He continues to cry. And she just kind of wonders how they got here, how, like, these two kids, they were once so happy and innocent. But now they're kind of in this dark place in a world where they ignore the pain of their classmates and their friends for the sake of being cool or accepted. And she never really realized that social media, like, you aren't able to escape it anymore in today's world you're not and it's even worse like now but if like i get like we've said before i placed this probably when we were in high school like how they have probably only facebook and when facebook got big it was like people weren't censoring what they were commenting on walls like you were just having full-on conversations and comments and stuff like that so i totally get it it's just so sad but she ends up consoling him and he finally asked her you know like when will it get better And this gives Ryan the courage to take a stand. So she grabs Manny. She grabs their things. She marches herself into the cafeteria. She sits down with Manny, and they're going to have lunch together. Thank God. Thank God, Ryan. Throwing the middle fingers up, you know? Like, fuck them. And everyone's like laughing. We're here. Everyone's laughing and making fun of them. But she's like, we don't care. Like, whatever. Somebody throws food at her. And instead of, like, getting upset, Manny and her to start laughing about it, which I love. Like, the girls yeah, here. Like, fuck it. Yeah, they're like, who cares? I don't even care at this point. So then JD and Ten come over to sit with them. And now they have, like, their whole new little friend group. They have this little crew. And I love it. I love when JD and Ten come up, though, because they're, like, you know, when someone starts throwing food, they're, like, JD and Ten are bigger guys. Like, I imagine JD is, like, this big football, baseball guy. Like She's, like, a big. USC linebacker is the way yeah. she describes him. <laughs> yeah, he's he's big. So, I, like, when he comes up, he's, like, you have to get through me to get th- to them. And it was yes. just, like, hell Most yeah. Protector. I love it. So, they're, like, all sitting and having lunch together. And, like, Manny and Ten are kind of, like, flirting a little bit. I, I, I see a ship here. I do. I mean – I know this is standalone, but I would I would have loved a like ten Manny Me spinoff because I, I did notice that, it. and I don't know if like that was meant to happen, and maybe it was just like a subtle little bit from Penelope, but I felt it, and I was like, this would be cute. It's very cute. And they have these little conversations, and we find out that JD was the one to write the message on the lawn about Lila, and that he had known for a while that she was cheating on him. And Ryan's like, well, why did you like not ever say anything? And he goes. Well, he never had the courage to stand on his own until he saw Ryan doing it with Manny. You got to be the one that leads the people sometimes. Great job, Ryan. It's just a a revolution these kids are starting. It's a 180 from Ryan, start to finish. (laughs) And JD lets the table know that he has a limo and they should all go to prom together. We're going to prom. Prom's back. It's so sweet. I love it. I love it. It's not for them. I love it for Manny. Like I, I love, know. love it for Manny. Like it, like screw the other, th- or not screw them, but like Manny needed this. This is what this chapter was for me. Manny. Yes. 
So later on, when Ryan's like thinking about Misha and how he's not at school and how she wants to ask him to prom, she starts to look at his Facebook page, which apparently she'd never done until right now. I hate, hate. Just <laughs> so whatever. unrealistic. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. And she finds that she finds out that Annie is Anastasia Grayson and that she died. And she's like, oh. Now this all makes sense. So she realizes that's why Misha stops writing her. So she goes to find him at the Cove. And when she asks Misha why he never told her about Annie, he says he wanted to, but he was waiting on them to calm down. I mean, I get it, but like, dude. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Like, okay. At this point, like you guys all came clean about everything. Like you need to say, Hey, like, this is why I wasn't writing. Like he never comes out with it. Like Ryan has to figure it out. So yeah. And She's like, well, this doesn't make sense because Annie's last name is Grayson, but you always told me it was Lair. And we find out Lair is his middle name. And since everyone knew the Grayson name because of his grandfather being so important, he used the opportunity with Ryan to basically kind of become a new person. So he used his middle name Lair instead of Grayson. Um, he did actually end up legally changing his name to Lair. We find out that. Goodbye, Grayson. (laughs) Yep. They go on to talk about Annie. Annie tells her about how she died, was the night of the scavenger hunt when they met. And he shares the guilt he feels, so he stopped writing her because he couldn't carry on like before. Um, Basically, just kind of comes clean to her about everything. What you get? Um, Thank thank God, guys. We only have a couple chapters left. I'm really glad we're pulling it through. I know. So then she finally questions him about, like, the whole, like, why'd you enroll in school and the watch? And he just, like, shakes it off. Like, he's like, oh, it was nothing. It was stupid. At this point, buddy, it's time. Like, that's time. uh, (laughs) This annoyed me. The last little bit of this book, like, finally, like, Ryan, like, Misha's whole thing was, Ryan, you need to be better. Ryan, 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 be, be a nicer person. Don't be this, that, and the other. You need to change. We, and you're still in your old ways, buddy. Still. It drives me insane. Yep. And he's like, oh, it was some stupid reason. I thought I knew someone that I, uh, that I didn't. It was stupid. It doesn't matter anymore. But he doesn't regret coming because he found her. And they say I love you to each other. High school love. Aww. Mm. Misha then wants to meet her mom. And Ryan's like, really? <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Uh, he's, so she says that he can, but she has a favor to ask of him and it's kind of illegal. (laughs) The next chapter is prom night. Prom night. Prom. We find out that Ryan's mom, in fact, loves Misha. And this, this kind of annoyed me in the book because it was like, all of a sudden now Ryan's like, BFF with her sister again, and her mom is now great, and all because Misha met them, and now everything's perfect with Ryan and her family. Yep. There's no problems anymore. None. That's what good dick will give you, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Not only helps your problems, but just <laughs> helps your families too. Helps it all. Uh, they have like the cheesy little prom pics, uh, all the the prom moments. It brought me back to my prom night. It did. It, it was. I hated my prom, but. I went to. <laughs> it brought it back. <laughs> let me think. I went to. I went to. I think 
seven proms. Six of or seven. Of course proms. you did. Of course you did. I'm I, not even surprised. Sorry, I had to like. I just gave like a really great pause to that. Like you had to do the math. <laughs> I had to think how many. <laughs> oh my god, you yes. that girl. I went to one prom and I hated it. So I loved it so much. I said yes six or seven seven times. times. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it so much. So they go to get in the limo, but Misha ends up not getting in and tells her he will meet her there. Sketch. Ooh. Sketch. And it's at this moment that everyone in the limo finds out that Mason is not Mason. And they're like, wait, who's Misha? (laughs) Yeah, they're like, whoa. (laughs) What? I I love how they were all like, like, if he would have explained the story, I would have been the person in the limo like, the fuck? Like, this doesn't like, make it better. Not, like, so your story still. is not tracking, buddy. I don't understand. So they get to prom and Ryan can't find Misha. So she ends up, her and JD start dancing together. They see Manny and Tin being all cute and flirting at prom, fixing each other's bow ties. Oh, Manny and Tin. It's the story we deserve. I know. It is the story we deserve. And a lot of good things are kind of racked up in this last chapter. They go, JD and Ryan are dancing, like there's a fog machine. So Ryan's asthma acts up and she finally uses her inhaler in front of everyone. I fucking, fucking hate that. <laughs> and guess what? The world doesn't end. And guess what? Everyone actually probably didn't even notice. So, exactly. I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of people that may have this issue or like things like that. But to me, I hope that you I listen- have asthma. Yeah, well, I just hope that there is someone out there that's, like, nervous about their disability and, like, showing it. Like, I totally get it. But at the same time, I just, like, use your inhaler. Please. Please. Do not risk your health for people that are unworthy. Yes, please. Do the right thing. Um, As JD and Ryan are dancing, we have a little instance with Lila, Caitlin, and Trey. They come over and it's all little bitches and... Trey's being Trey and making really disrespectful comments towards Ryan. He's a jerk. Trey, like, tries to fight him, but they're interrupted because guess who's in the house? Cyphercore. Cyphercore! Rock on! Cyphercore, Misha Lair. They are on the stage, and he is singing to her. He's singing. He is singing the song called 57 that he wrote. And it's about how it was 57 times he didn't call or send letters to her. <laughs> oh. oh, my oh, God. Misha. <laughs> Thank you. When the song's over, he comes to find Ryan and he tells her, a lot of your words are in those lyrics. We do more than a few things really well together, you know. We're songwriters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. So... I think, like, I don't know what's wrong with us. Like, the rest of this, we were just, like, jizzing our pants over this book. And now that we're talking about this, I'm like, God, this this part, these these last few chapters are. It's also just, like, ugh. And maybe it's because we're not in high school anymore. being tied up at once. Like, everything's yes. just being tied up now. Like All the bows. All the bows are being tied. So... They decide it's time to leave and to get on with Ryan's illegal plan. And they grab JD, Tin, and Manny. They go back to school where they find out Punk is Ryan. And Manny realizes it was Ryan who left him that message on his locker, her first one she ever did. And it said, you're not alone. It gets better. You are important and you can't be replaced. Hang on. So we find out that that's who Ryan wrote the message to, her first one. 
And she whips out spray paint cans for all of them so they can partake in leaving their own messages on the school. It's time. If that just ain't so cute. Let's round it out, boys. So Monday morning rolls around and they're walking through and they see all the messages. And the messages that she leaves are all things that Trey had said to her or about other people, other like girls he had been with. And it's like his she basically writes out the threat he made to her to rape her, all the mean, degrading things he said about it, how the, the girls around him always asked for it. And other students start writing their own messages on the walls. And Ryan realizes if you speak your mind, you give others permission to do the same. What? Just a, a moment for this book. It's like, beautiful. It's be beautiful. Be a leader. No, I loved it. Be a I was leader. Like, it is. It is. Because, like, people need to see that in others. And it was nice. I did like it. I loved it. It came full circle. It did. The principal comes over and Misha takes blame for the prank. And he goes to her office for this final showdown. Mama and son. Mama and son. The principal knows Misha's lying about his file and asks where his parents are. And he tells her his father lives in Thunder Bay and his mother is gone. She asked for his – this is so savage – she asked for his father's number. He gives it to her. And when his father answers, she realizes it's her ex-husband. Okay. I'm not going to lie though, Hallie. I still was not connecting dots. Oh, really? No, not even at the, like, cause she doesn't say it. She doesn't say, oh, that's my ex-husband. She like, hears his voice and she's like, what's his what? name? What is, um, like Roger. We'll just say Something. Roger. Yeah. Roger. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't know her name. Some, some. And they're like, oh my God. Laura? And she up. <laughs> yeah. Laura, is that you? <laughs> Meredith? <laughs> but it's like so just savage and like she hangs up and she's like staring at Mason like, oh, fuck. It also is like, okay, Holly, this may get like a deep thing, but like, okay, let's say you have a kid, you leave and we're 18 years down the road or however, I can't remember when she left, however how old he was. Would you, recognize your, would you recognize your kid? Um, I would like to believe that I did, that I would. I would too. I would like to believe like after all of these things kind of get like hashed out and we figure out more that she would have realized. I don't think so because I think she's just that shitty of a person. Yeah. No, she is. But I just. Yeah. As we, as we realized, but she hangs up and realizes Mason is really her son, Misha. And when she asks what he wants, um, he kind of has gets to have his moment with her and kind of say his final piece. And he tells her, you know, he wanted a mom and a family. He wanted to see her on Christmas morning. He wanted her to like them. He wanted her to tell them to stop waiting for her to come home. He wanted to figure out why his sister died of a heart attack at 17 because she was trying to be perfect enough to make their mom come home. He wanted to understand why she didn't come to her own child's funeral. I hated that. Finally, this is when things were like every all my gears were turning, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like this was my mouth was open. How do you not go to your own child's funeral? Because she's a shitty person. So he ends up saying, "How like I want to understand why Annie died alone on the side of a road, having never felt her mother's arms around her, and you were basically living this comfortable life with your new family, and your daughter was dying by herself." And you didn't give a shit. And you didn't care. Except you keep some sketch-ass file of her in your office. 
Well, yeah. So then we realized that that file was, and it was Annie growing up would write to her mom and like send her newspaper clippings of like all the things she had accomplished. And it was, again, it was Annie just trying to be perfect enough and show her mom how, how great she was as a kid. So her mom would come home for her and she never did. And that's what Misha was doing is he was taking that file out of her office to take home because he didn't think his mom deserved anything of Annie's. She doesn't. Nope. Um, so he finally tells her that what he wants is for her to admit that she's never going to come looking for them and that she doesn't regret leaving and that she's happier without them so that he can be free of her. He can kind of say his piece, he can get what he needs and then be done with her and have kind of closed this chapter. And his mom tells him what he wants to hear. But before he leaves, he tells her that when their daughter, Emma, turns 18, he's going to introduce himself to her and that she should prepare her for that before the time comes. Don't blame you, Misha. Oh, I love that he wants to go meet his sister, though. I know. And (laughs) even though he's, like, all hurt and everything and probably wants nothing to do with, like, Trey or that whole situation and that family in general, it's, like, it shows a lot about Misha. Like, he's, he still wants yeah. a sister in his life. And, uh, like, later on, he's telling, finally telling Ryan, like, everything. And he kind of, I think this kind of sums up that he just fully believes that if someone doesn't want you, then you have to stop wanting them. And that's what he was able to do with this confrontation with his mom. Um, and he kind of just leaves it open, though, because he's like, you know, she knows where I'm at now if she ever wants anything to do with me, which she probably won't, but she can come find me. But at this point, I'm done, and I'm good. Balls in her court. Good for him. Yep. Good for him. Good for him. And I will say it is nice because I think that's, like, something we can all learn. doesn't matter if you're in high school. Like, if someone doesn't want you, you can't force them to want you. It doesn't matter. Parent. No, and they're not worth it. No, they're not. They're not worth it. Great lesson. Love, Love the lesson. Appreciate it. Thanks, Petey. Thanks, Penelope Douglas. So the book ends just beautifully. I mean, everything just <laughs> works out. Everything is perfect. Misha ends up being offered a recording contract. Such and a cool- yeah, at first he like doesn't, he's not going to go because he wants to follow Ryan to college because he doesn't want to be away from her anymore. But she forces him to see where this goes because if he doesn't, he'll always wonder what if. And she doesn't think that he should put that on her. Which is such a mature conversation to have at this age. It is, but I will also say, like, she knew they were going to go the distance, and she was like, I'll be right here for you, baby. Don't you worry. I'm not going nowhere, honey. (laughs) Don't you worry. You're about to have a record deal. You're about to be a rock star. I'm about to be here. I'm here. (laughs) I'm not leaving. (laughs) And he finally understands her point and says that he will do that, but she has to write a letter to Delilah to face her demons, which she does. Hey there, Delilah. Oh, God. Here we go again. No, I'm not going to do it. I already did it. (laughs) It's just that little blur. And she does. She writes this letter. It's in the back of the book to Delilah. And it's basically her just, like, apologizing and giving a reason to why she did what she did to her. It's really beautiful. It kind of made me cry. It did. It was sweet because there's so many times, like, I wonder, like I said, I want to write some of the people. Mm -hmm. We talked about before. Like, I want to write some folks. Sometimes. Then we get into this epilogue. Five years later, they're married. Living the dream. She's pregnant. They're in a penthouse. 
She's talking to the paparazzi because Misha will not come out of his apartment. Because he's songwriting. <laughs> yeah, he's, he doesn't need to be seen, okay? He is an Oscar-winning artist. Is it Oscar? Because I think yeah, it's Grammy. <laughs> it's Oscar. But she has written in the book, because I just, I just looked at it. It is an Oscar-winning for best song or something. But I thought Oscar was like movies. Me too. Maybe it wasn't a movie. We're Maybe not. he wrote a song for a movie. You know what? what I'm going to say know? Grammy. Yeah, it's a Grammy. Grammy sounds but, better. But what do we know? And then you kind of see them living their life together in this penthouse. And you meet uh, some more Devil's Night series characters here. So if you have not read Devil's Night, then you definitely should. You need to get into it. And it's just a beautifully wrapped story. It is. The bow is perfectly tied. I mean... This is why it was a five out of five for me. I mean, I know we gave it a little hell there in the end with some cheese, but it was great. It's a beautiful story. It was a wild ride. Hallie, do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I don't. My final thought is everyone go read Devil's Night series. <laughs> that, yes, which we will cover at some point. It's just Please. a hell of a series, but it's, I'm on book two and it's fucking phenomenal. Um, our next book will be Her Soul to Take, and I'm already, we've already started, and I'm a little terrified. Um, yeah, we won't get into it on here, but, uh, we wanted a very ghoulish goblin demon Halloween book, and... We got one. Let me, let me tell you folks, it's all of those things in one. It's going to be a wild ride. I'm already terrified. I'm only 10 chapters in. So everyone be on the lookout for that. If you haven't started reading Her Soul to Take, be sure to start soon so you can listen with us. Our episode will be released around Halloween. So perfect timing. We can't wait to talk about it. And as always, if you ever want to DM us, you can reach out to us on Let's Talk About Smut podcast on Instagram. You can also email us on Let's Talk About Smut at gmail.com. Always slide into our dms give us a follow give us a rating we love you guys we are finally getting to a point where hallie and i are celebrating each time we get someone new that follows us because it feels cool we're almost to 100 and i hope you guys are enjoying it <laughs> all right guys we love you talk to you later love ya. see ya bye